Hello and welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode 12. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today, we will be discussing episodes 7 to 9 of High School Prodigies Have It Easy Even in Another World. But before we embark on this intrepid journey, let me introduce you to the hosts of this program. I'm Vicky, and joining me is Lawrence. It's mayo time. <laughs> Mayonnaise. <laughs> Bring out the mayo, boys. It's, uh, it's mayo time over here. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm feeling mm-hmm. feeling all right today. Uh, ready to ready to get in on uh, these these couple of episodes of uh, High School Prodigies. Um, yes. Buried them buried them very deep in a ditch uh, in, in my memory somewhere uh, where they never have to come out again. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it stays there. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, when you said that, I I had a vision of you like. Uh, experiencing the Ludovico treatment like strapped to a chair <laughs> or the eye drops going in your eyes being forced to watch the show again well yeah no that's how that's how i watch all of these episodes man I'm like, I'm like, can't, can't let a can't let a frame pass me by i'm like uh, i gotta analyze each and every every second that's uh for the listeners we're mm. doing this for you <laughs> sure are we're watching it so you don't have to <laughs> oh gosh so what have you been up to the last few weeks or so? Oh, I haven't been up to much. I've got like a double vaccinated, ended up feeling really, nice. really poorly. That's nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I use that as an excuse to, to play a bunch of Final Fantasy fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is, uh, is, is always a, a very pleasant. It's, it's been a while since I got like uh, very ill like that um yeah so it's uh just rebounding from that just like a, a great excuse to to treat yourself to, to whatever you feel like doing it absolutely is yeah <laughs> hell yeah uh i watched a couple of cool movies i watched uh, uh rocky 2 which is uh, uh, uh ridiculous mm-hmm. like rocky 2 rocky 1 actually a, a good film and like uh, like which surprised me because i i thought it had sort of a a, a a dumb film reputation but it's actually pretty pretty legit uh but rocky 2 sort of like nose dives and uh becomes <laughs> uh real wild uh and as a result i think i like it more than rocky one. Oh hell yeah i gotta admit uh, i've never seen any of the rocky movies yeah me neither before before i was convinced to to, to watch them uh recently and because uh, you're into no, boxing no. now yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm finna yeah. watch all of them. It's <laughs> funny. How many are there? There's a lot. There's like yeah. um, five or six. I'm gonna say, Damn. and uh, 
you gotta watch those because um, they uh, continue in uh, the the Creed series. It's part of the same continuity. Uh, of course, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm doing it all doing it all for my boy Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. He's a good boy. <laughs> he's he's the goodest boy. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean I mean he's 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 a man. He's he's a man. <laughs> he's a great man. <laughs> good boy becomes Ooh. great man. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you love yeah. to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh um, I, I've also watched a, another film that was really cool. It's called Censor. Uh, you uh, heard of this one? No, no, never heard of that. It's uh, like this uh, British horror film. It's like set in the eighties during the height of the um, the, the whole uh, video nasties uh, controversy. Uh, I have heard of this actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's about like a, a lady that works at the, the office where they censor the, the video nasty. So she's like constantly watching these uh, low budget uh, 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 slasher fix and like uh, gore gore horror uh, type shit. And she's lucky. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she doesn't like it. She's she's there watching it, being like, oh, gotta get rid of that. Oh, can't show that on TV. And, um, yeah, one day she encounters uh, someone in one of the films that she uh, thinks she may recognize. Who could it be? <laughs> it's, it's spooky and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's got like a, a couple of cool experimental flourishes, but like uh, it stays very much like a, a character piece uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty dope. Awesome. That sounds oh, yeah. cool. Other than that, uh, still been watching Hajime no Ippo, which is uh, mm-hmm. still great. I'm like 30 episodes into that, still loving it. And uh, on your recommendation, I watched uh, New Way of the House Husband, which I, I like to watch. Oh, like. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those shows that like, it, there's just one joke really that they're doing over and over again. But, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's a good joke. It is a good and, joke. Yeah, and uh, I, I I like Tatsu, and he's giving me that um, that house husband energy that I that I need mm. to, to to do all of the house husband shits. Uh, he's a, that, he seems like a great doing. husband. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's he's lovely. Uh, sadly, mm. I'm like a, a, a husband uh, only to my to myself, but like that that means I can just be extra extra Tatsu. Uh, to be honest. <laughs> uh, it's it's a cute show. It's only five episodes, and they're only like eighteen minutes long max. So, just uh, throw that on with dinner, and it's a, it's a great accompaniment. I love it. Hell yeah! What about yourself, man? What are, what have you been up to? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Nothing too ex- exciting going on. Just usual stuff. But uh, I would like to give a shout out to the Stardew Valley Cup that happened last weekend. Uh, oh hell yeah! Which was. Yeah, like a little speedrunning tournament that was hosted by a uh, streamer whose name I can't remember, and uh, the creator of Stardew Valley, uh, Eric Barone. Uh, they were mm. hosting the whole thing, uh, and it's just a, a few teams of like Stardew Valley content creators and streamers competing against one another. I think they had like three hours to complete a bunch of different challenges, uh, yeah. and they like earned points for those challenges, um, and there was a winner crowned. Uh, but it's kind of cool, like learning about all the different ways people have learned to exploit the game, and Hell hearing yeah. from Eric Barone uh, some of the like technical 
uh, set up for some of these things that they're exploiting. Like he explained how the rocks spawn in the mines, or like how the the ladders spawn under rocks in the mines, how the logic yeah. for that works, and like uh, how apparently, I didn't know this, but uh, whether or not it rains in Stardew Valley on a given day is based on like how many steps you took the day before, mm. uh, and apparently speedrunners use that or they exploit that. Um, so they don't ever they never have to water their crops basically they just rain every day uh, i thought that was wow. pretty cool so they, they kind of make stardew valley an extra depressing place like a easy, <laughs> yeah. uh, just their, their their footsteps yeah pretty much uh but yeah it was like some of the most wholesome content i've seen in a while actually <laughs> Yeah, and no, I, I love that show. You you mentioned this before. It seems like a, it mm -hmm. seems like a lot of fun. Like I yeah. I love I love speedruns. I love seeing like uh, how the the video game sausage is made, and mm -hmm. like uh, after I like complete a game, like I don't know, I'll spend like fifty hours like d playing a video game, and then by the end of it, I'm like you know mopping my brow, like good job, good job, well done, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> And then usually I'll like go up and go out and look for a speed run of that same video game, watch some some mm -hmm. some person like uh, wreck the game, finish it in in fifteen minutes, and like uh, feel like feel like a chump. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I I don't feel like a chump. I feel like a, a, a renewed like um, appreciation for the video game, and also like yeah. a chumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of one of the great things about video games, isn't it? You can kind of, in a lot of ways, for many of them, choose how you play it. Like, if mm, you want to speedrun mm. it, you can. Like, Stardew Valley is a great example of that. You can speedrun it, but you can also play it like a really chill, relaxing farming sim, where you just, like, uh, take mm. your time doing stuff. It's it's so cool. It's just this uh, this really awesome way of, like, expressing your love and appreciation for, like, an, an awesome game. It's it's and it's kind of hilarious as well because you're like saying to this developer, I, I I loved your game. Here, this is how I deconstructed it. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like dismantling someone's sculpture or like painting or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. damn, I love this. Like this is this is how I put this is how I would put it together. But <laughs> exactly, time to break it. Yeah. That rocks. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Anyway, that's the kind of the only thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that's that, that's awesome. We can like uh, keep it short so we can get into and the real business. <laughs> yes, and there's plenty of it to be had. <laughs> the business of fucking talking about this awful anime. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> let's uh, let's move on and just uh, go over some of our definitions for the isekai genre that we've been developing. Um, isekai is a subgenre of fantasy in which a character is suddenly transported from their world into a new or unfamiliar one. And this is, uh, I believe, from the Stuff for Teenage bibliophile uh, that you found, Lawrence. Uh, yeah. In isekai stories, the main protagonist must be either physically or mentally spirited away to another world or reborn into this new world in a new form more powerful than their previous one. Sometimes these new worlds may simply be a different time period. Video games have proven a new and popular setting in modern isekai with some characters becoming trapped or transported into their favourite game. 
The traditional plot of an isekai story revolves around the main protagonist trying to find their way back to their homeworld through a series of quests or adventures. With characters who are reborn into their new isekai world, the plot is more nebulous and may revolve around characters simply trying to survive in the unfamiliar setting. And sometimes you get an isekai where they go to another world and just wreck it completely. <laughs> they do a colonialism <laughs> and an imperialism. Well <laughs> yeah. into one. Two for one, baby. <laughs> it's yeah. a two for one sale on, on colonialism and imperialism. <laughs> get it while it's Absolutely. hot. <laughs> Uh, powered uh, by mayonnaise and phony oh religions. <laughs> now that we have those definitions kind of uh, rattling around in our brains, uh, we're going to use those to try and figure out whether some other media text that is not an anime may in fact be an isekai. Uh, and Lawrence, what have you got for us? Hell yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen this one, actually. Uh, I'm going to be talking about The Cell from uh, the year 2000s. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie. I love this movie. Hell, oh, the one with do. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, the one. yeah. I love this movie. Let's get into awesome. it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, so this cell, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Vince Vaughn's in there as well. Mm, um, right. Yeah, it's directed by Tarsim Singh, which you may know from uh, the um, Losing My Religion video, the, the R.E.M. song. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, he did that too. Uh, and th- there is some visual overlap uh, b- between them as well. You know, he's got like a very elaborate, some would say flamboyant style. Um, lots of like big elaborate sets and uh, costuming uh, that is really fantastic. And uh, he's got like a distinct visual style. I love that shit. Um, so ba- basically, it's about... Uh, Jennifer Lopez, who is a a therapist slash counselor, uh, but not just not just any kind of counselor. Uh, she she works at a a high tech facility where they're able to uh, hook up people's brains. So she dives into the minds of uh, traumatized uh, young boys and mm. sort of like does like a dream therapy type thing she She, does uh, yeah (laughs) goes into their subconscious and like therapizes them using like dream magic basically yeah Uh, yeah and then suddenly the cops turn up and they're like we've got a serial killer but he's in a coma and he's got another victim hidden away somewhere in a cell that is like slowly filling with water. We need to know where that where that victim is is hiding. So uh, can you please, Jennifer Lopez, dive into this serial killer's mind and get him to tell her <laughs> tell us where the victim is? Please, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> please dive in, dive into the serial killer's mind, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, that's the plot of the film. She says yes. She says yeah, sure. Yes. Let's do it. He's uh, uh, braver and a lot than of the like a, yeah, a, a lot of uh, violent imagery follows. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I remember the nasty so, bits in that film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got that like uh, that patina of uh, '90s edginess, sort of like. Uh, new metal music video or like a look look at mm. these fetish guys they're gross aren't they 
totally yeah <laughs> people in in bondage gear and like uh people suspended uh by by hooks from like you know from the the, the skin on their back and stuff uh, yeah that's what the serial killer does to himself right he's got all these yeah. piercings in his back and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, the, the crux of it is um Jen, does does jlo do an isekai when she mind dives into the the mind of uh this this serial killer and uncovers the the, the landscape of her subconsciousness and finding that that he is in fact a, a schizophrenic whoa <laughs> So, yeah <laughs> yeah this, this, this film it. has like <laughs> film has like a, a a very poor understanding of a uh, uh, mental illness um mm-hmm. and and, and so that's sort of where it uh, draws all of its uh wild imagery from it it's 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 not great but like it's 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 good while you're watching it i guess <laughs> yeah yeah agreed uh, so, so what do you reckon? She, she, she dives into their minds. Um, she, she's mm. in one world, uh, travels into their subconscious, uh, where she does uh, dream stuff, uh, and uh, she's uh, doing a, a therapy, like trying to to reach the uh, the unspoiled uh, innocent boy soul within this uh, heinous serial killer, and uh, trying to bring that back to the surface or or, or something. Um, so, uh, she set out with a certain, uh, goal in mind to achieve and, uh, uh, escape the isekai, so to speak. My first instinct is to say no. Uh-huh. And the, I guess the reason for that is, like, it feels like more of a, like, pap- paprika inception kind of story than an isekai story. Sure. Uh, yeah. like, going into a dream to, like, get some info. Uh, about mm. someone or something she i guess you could say she's tr- transported to another world but she's also kind of just in this world but like hooked up to some machine or something yeah yeah uh, now, the same could be said of uh, neo in the matrix though right that's true yeah that is true mm-hmm. i guess she's like uh there's there isn't that element or that component of her like trying to find her way back home that she's like already got a path home like i don't know how it works in in that movie like if she could just be woken up at any time or if uh, there's like some like law law reason why she can't or whatever well uh, yeah well you know if you if you die in a dream you die in real life so there, there's yeah. that to look out for um, is that true uh yes yes i, I believe so oh, yeah. shit uh, my my instincts kind of like no, I don't really think it's a like an mm. isekai story. It's like it involves a transfer to another world, but it doesn't really have any of like the hallmarks, the other hallmarks of an isekai story. Yeah, yeah, I I, I feel you on that. Uh, well, there's there's no harem to speak of. I I don't think mm. the, uh, the the cavalcade of uh, uh, serial killer victims counts in that respect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Vince Vaughn might be part of a harem. We don't know. He goes in there as well, right? Uh, yeah, he he does. And uh, there 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 is some some sexual energy between them. Did you know that they dated for a while? Like, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Lopez, that hawking yeah. man child. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, my thoughts exactly. Like, uh, damn, you could do way better, J Lo. <laughs> what is he funny? Is it- <laughs> <laughs> I would I would hope so. <laughs> 
I've seen him in movies. Uh, I don't think he's very funny. Yeah. What What do you, What do you think? Do you Do you Do you feel like this uh, fits into the the category? Yeah. You know, I I want to be like you know everything is isekai like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this this definitely like strains at at the definition. I think. In in the same way that the Truman Show did a little bit, mm. but it, it does involve like J Lo tra- traversing the boundary between uh, reality and and fantasy, and and maybe that's where like the big distinction uh, 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 lies. And I, I think you might uh, uh, feel the same way from from what you said. Uh, mm. The the alternate reality isn't really real mm. it's a, a a dream world it's it's shifting it's changing and then once you're out and then it, it's 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 gone until you're mm. uh, back in there so I, I don't know maybe there's something to the uh the corporeal reality the sort of uh uh concreteness of uh, the world that like uh is required for it to be an isekai that is making me feel like i want to say it isn't an isekai but you know mm-hmm. <laughs> We got a good streak going, though. Yeah, that's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, so here's other couple of uh, observations uh, uh, about uh, this cell that sort of uh, put it in line with some of the other is it an isekais we've talked about. Um, like this, this alternate world setting is uh, again sort of like this, uh, this uh, landscape formed by uh, and a trauma of like a particular individual. Uh, like in, um, uh, I'm going back to WandaVision and and some other uh, <laughs> shows that we've discussed. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the, the hero has to confront something dark and painful within themselves or within the other person in order to escape. And uh, again, uh, isekai, the idea of another world, is used to to, to sort of examine the boundary between uh, and uh, the real world and this artificial uh fake world and because it is artificial it is like therefore bad right Mm, Um, from from a lot of these films and shows that we've uh, seen they seem to stress that you want to be in the real world not the other world the Mm, the fake world right and uh, the, the hero can't really move forward unless they leave the isekai behind for good, return to mm. our worlds, and, uh, you know, uh, make a path forward. Yeah, I definitely hadn't thought about that before, but you're totally right. Uh, a bit like in some of these stories, uh, the fake world is something to be escaped from and left behind uh, because it's not desirable to be there. But, like, in many of the isekais we've watched, the characters do seem like they're happy in the new world or, like, learn something or gain something good from being there. Yeah, yeah. even in these episodes of uh, uh, High School Prodigies, it seems like mm. uh, Tsukasa is fa- It seems like Tsukasa is saying, hmm, uh, it looks like we might have to stay. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we got to see this through to the end. <laughs> they've made themselves very comfortable there. <laughs> They have, yeah. Good yeah. God. Okay, so what are, what are we what are we settling on? Isekai or no? Yeah, you know. Again, I want to say I want to say it is an isekai uh, just to just to keep the street going. But uh, perhaps after after some examination along with you, uh, I I think I'm gonna settle on 
uh, not an isekai, actually. Yeah, I think me, me too. Yeah, reincarnated yeah. as podcasters first. Wait, we've had a not isekai before, haven't we? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose the Truman Show, but like I, I was, I was being being a bit of a wishy washy on that one. <laughs> well, maybe but, it is a first anyway. Yeah. This is like a definitive no, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm crossing my arms. Yeah. This is a no. Yeah, it's a no from okay. me, fam. There we have it. Now, now that we've confirmed that the cell is not an isekai, how about we move on to our otaku glossary, in which we discuss uh, topics that uh, we've been inspired to research or learn more about from uh, watching these shows. Hell yeah, sounds like a good idea. I, I happen to have a topic for us, actually. Excellent. I wrote a lot, actually, and like, um, <laughs> I think I'm only going to be able to, I'm only going to use about half of it. Uh, okay. And uh, maybe save the rest for for another for another episodes in the future. Uh, but what I have here is is pretty interesting. I'm gonna be talking about the the trolley problem. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Let's yeah. go. I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah, so in the previous episode, I, I made a lot of references to uh, the trolley problem. Uh, it, just, uh, it came up a, a lot in uh, the summary segments. And in, in thinking of a, a topic for this episode, I, I realized, you know, I don't actually know very much about the trolley problem, what it's actually about, you know? Mm-hmm. I've always seen it as sort of like... A, a meme that is sort of misappropriated for comic effects to like pedantically point out someone's like moral shortcomings online, right? Right. Like, uh, yeah, that's how we so, usually someone... see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the only other instance is like in um, you know high school textbooks, like uh, um, first first philosophy classes, being like, uh, "Hmm, have you heard of utilitarianism?" <laughs> and, uh, beyond that, you, d- you don't really think about uh, the trolley problem. I'm sort of like, oh, well, uh, that's easy. It's only got like one answer, right? I mean, fuck the the, the one guy, save the five, and, and that's how that goes. <laughs> um, what what is your uh, familiarity with the, the the trolley problem like? Uh, I think I probably also would have learned about it uh, when I did like A level philosophy at Six One College. Uh, I feel like I was definitely exposed to it there. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I guess my surface level understanding of it is you can pull a lever uh, and if you do, it will divert the trolley away from five people to one or whichever way around it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you you have to think about it further when uh, you add things to the question, like what if the uh, what if the five people are dying or like they're dying in a week anyway or like yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. What if uh, the five people are like really bad people and the one person... <laughs> Uh, has a cure for cancer in their head, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely, yeah. precisely. Yeah, well, in that case, you probably know, know more about the the trolley problem than I did. This that that's what I, that's part of what I learned about the the trolley problem. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit more. Mm. Uh, so mostly, I sort of understood the the trolley problem as being sort of a, a demonstration of uh, utilitarian ethics and how uh, difficult decisions that might not seem moral may in fact be uh, of most benefit to the most people, right? 
kill one guy to to save five. Like uh, killing isn't moral. Killing isn't right. But in this case, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you might just have to do it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, making that choice in itself is a type of morality, uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I always uh, thought of this as like this abstract scenario of like a uh, limited use. Uh, it's only really useful for like high school textbooks to to, to get uh, kids to to think about to start thinking about that uh, instead of uh, I don't know uh, Fortnite's and Charlie X E X. Yeah, <laughs> but of course exactly. there is, <laughs> but of course there is a lot more to the trolley problem. Uh, so I uh, decided to dive into it and see whether any of it might be relevant to high school prodigies. Mm, I think it might be. <laughs> So uh, let me get a couple of definitions out of the way, uh, just to just to get us all on the on the same um, uh, on the same page. Uh, ethics is a branch of philosophy that involves systematizing, defending, and recommending concepts of right and wrong behavior. Got this from the um, Philosophy um, Encyclopedia Online. Uh, ethics seeks to resolve questions of human morality by defining concepts such as good and evil, right and wrong, virtue and vice, justice and crime. Uh, basically, when you ask yourself questions like, what does it mean to be a good person? Or are the police an, as an institution necessary? Uh, you're, you're doing a, an ethics, you're doing some uh, ethical f philosophy. Um, the police are not necessary, by the way. Fuck the police. <laughs> uh, but uh, even when you ask yourself something like, should I have chicken or seitan for dinner? You're you're doing a, a sort of a, a ethics. You're like uh, asking yourself a, an, an ethical question regarding like uh, what is morally right, what is best for for animals, what is best for the planet, what is best for people. Um, yeah, it's, uh, ethics is happening all the time in and around us. Next definition: utilitarianism. A family of normative ethical theories that prescribe actions that maximize happiness and well-being for all affected individuals. Its core idea is that whether actions are morally right or wrong depend on their effects. More specifically, the only effects of actions that are relevant are the good and bad results that they produce. So, as someone who is utilitarian would uh, seek to maximize well-being and uh, good, good outcomes, good effects for the most people and uh, decrease bad outcomes, like uh, make sure mm -hmm. those don't happen. Yeah. So, uh, to this end, and this, this is new to me actually, they, they may reject moral codes or systems that consist of commands or taboos that are based on customs traditions or orders given by leaders or uh they use the phrase here supernatural beings okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah beating around the bush there a little bit <laughs> yeah so uh this this is a a an integral part of like utilitarianism is like uh sometimes you have to uh, uh, reject uh, 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 traditions and uh, moral codes or like uh, uh, conventional uh, ethics 
and uh, you know flip the switch uh, mm -hmm. and um, make sure that you're maximizing well-being for people and that is a a, a belief that a, a philosophers hold of course it, it gets a lot more complex than this this is just really the cliff notes and cool so with those definitions out of the way let's, let's talk about the prop the trolley problem Ooh. which um as you've pointed out is uh, not just uh, one um statement one thought experiment but really a a series of ethical thought experiments it's like a, a hypothetical situation used to think about uh morality and uh once you've posed a question, once you've like uh, introduced the uh, dilemma, then you add more variations and hypothetical elements and observe how people's responses change and how their morality changes with it, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you use it as a kind of like a way to, to pinpoint morality and uh, get a bead on like what uh, uh, people would do um as the uh, situation changes and like like for example if uh the, the the five people on the track have have cancer but the other one is is uh albert einstein as a baby or whatever um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's about like adding those those variables and uh, uh trying to get as as far as possible into what people are thinking so the ethical dilemma of the trolley problem was first posed by an English philosopher. Uh, her name was Philippa Foote. And, uh, and then it was uh, named and further refined by American philosopher Judith Jarvis Thompson. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're both uh, big deals in the in the fields of of ethics. Uh, Philippa Foote uh, is uh, considered a, a founder of uh, modern uh, virtue ethics, and uh, yeah. Judith Jarvis Thompson uh, contributed a, a lot of uh, uh, work um, related to the trolley problem uh, in defense of uh, abortion as well. Uh, mm. So it, it, they've been thinking about this stuff for a while. And uh, so, so let me let me read to you the uh, the most basic version of uh, the dilemma, which is known as uh, the bystander at the switch or the switch. There is a runaway trolley barreling down the railway tracks. Uh, ahead on the tracks, there are five people tied up and unable to move. The trolley is headed straight for them. You are standing some distance off in the train yard next to a lever. If you pull this lever, the trolley will switch to a different set of tracks. However, you notice that there is one person on the side track. You have two and only two options. Uh, either do nothing, in which case the trolley will kill the five people on the main track. Uh, pull the lever, uh, diverting the trolley onto the side track where it will kill one person. So which is the more ethical option uh, or simply... What is the, the right thing to do? Uh, Vicky, what's your answer? <laughs> uh, well, like, I guess the the instinctive answer is like, you want to divert the trolley, you just kill one person. Like Yeah, you'd flip the switch? Save, saving five people, yeah. That's the, like, oh. yeah, that's how I would answer like the first question. But like, obviously not yeah. knowing anything about those people. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I I would do the same, and like, and that's why I always thought like, oh well, the trolley problem is kind of dumb, isn't it? It's like, just, just <laughs> easy, easy peasy. Like, I I wash my hands of this, um, and ninety percent of like surveyed respondents would agree with you as well as mm-hmm. we found. Like, uh, the average across uh, many surveys apparently is around ninety uh, percent in favor of flipping the switch. There, there was an experiment done, uh, or like a survey done in uh, the mid two thousand, I think in two thousand and nine, actually, where they posed the trolley problem to uh, uh, only a um, uh, a pool of philosophers. Yeah, right. Of, <laughs> of course, as you can imagine, they were assholes about it, and like uh, I think only sixty eight percent were in favor of flipping the the switch, and. Uh, 24% uh, didn't uh, didn't respond or, like, didn't have an answer. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Where the trolley problem really gets exciting is when it begins to intersect with uh, psychology, uh, I've found. Uh, so by posing this series of dilemmas to people in a survey environment, we're able to learn about what people consider to be moral versus uh, how they actually behave. Uh, for example, in one survey of 239 men and 430 women between the ages of 15 and 86, uh, 61 and a half percent of men would flip the switch versus uh, 47.9% of women. Uh, So, you know, you you got your uh, psychologist writing this stuff down and being like, um, wow, uh, men and women sure are different. I wonder if I can integrate this into my comedy routine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I I think it's a dumb distinction, of course, but... uh, uh, whatever uh, psychologists do your thing. Um, but these numbers changed when the surveyors changed the traits of uh, the person on the other side of the track, showing that changes in uh, genetic relatedness, age, and uh, reproductive opportunity. <laughs> that's, that's the phrase they use in the, in the study that I read. Reproductive opportunity. <laughs> had cool. a drastic effect on the choice of participants. So the train is barreling down the track, and then like the person on the other track is like, don't flip the switch, I'll have sex with you. <laughs> and, <laughs> My womb is fertile. <laughs> so they yell. <laughs> and, and that would that would definitely have an effect on the choices uh, that uh, the the respondents uh, would make, and they were also like, oh, um, the the person on the other track is like uh, uh, half related to you, or a quarter related to you, or they're your brother, and and that would change, um, you know, mm. how, how they would answer, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In um, one absurdly fat phobic variation of the trolley problem a there was like a significant change in uh, participants uh, responses uh, that, that were observed uh, so the, the variation reads as follows <laughs> as before a trolley is hurtling down a track towards five people 
you are on a bridge under which it will pass, and you can stop it by putting something very heavy in front of it. As it happens, there is a very fat man next to you. Your only way to stop the trolley is to push him over the bridge and onto the track, killing him to save five. Should you mm -hmm. proceed? Yeah, I've heard What do you reckon? Should I should I proceed? Would you proceed? Should you proceed? I don't I don't I don't, uh, I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Five folks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, I don't. Well, I don't think I could actually push someone in front of a train. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That 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 takes like a, a kind of uh, uh, you're you're killing someone. You're directly yeah. like uh, uh, doing that. Whereas uh, when you're flipping a switch, there is like a level of, of separation, which uh, clearly that yeah. that one level of separation is enough to to make people into into murderers. And it's a, it's a slightly different question as well, because like the runaway trolley is like, if I don't push the guy in front of it, then it's still not my fault that the trolley hit those people. <laughs> I know I could save them <laughs> by doing something really, really terrible. But like, it's uh -huh. like, ultimately, uh, I don't have to like, feel like I've killed them or like, I'm like guilty somehow or whatever. Yeah, the person yeah. who let the trolley run away is, is the killer. <laughs> Yeah, not that yeah. I would only make a decision based on not whether I would be perceived as a murderer or anything, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, no. Well, you know, when you really get down to it, uh, it's it's a uh, momentum that's uh, the, the real killer. It's uh, it's Newtonian physics, uh, actually. <laughs> like, I I didn't yeah. ask to be born in this world. <laughs> uh, no, I. I I, I get I get what you're saying, and there there are there are um, virtue ethicists that would say uh, that because you are in this situation and because you have the opportunity to change the outcome, uh, then then you would be uh, culpable for for the deaths of uh, uh, five people. Uh, but yeah, ninety percent of uh, people would agree with you. They would not push a person on the tracks. Mm. So. Um. <laughs> 90% of people would flip the switch, uh, but that same amount of people uh, would not push the, the very fat man onto the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a real flipping of the, the, the script there. Yeah, it is. It's interesting, isn't it? So you, you can draw like all, all kinds of conclusions and uh, further topics of study from from these results. You know, like uh, I'm sure psychologists had plenty to say about uh, why people chose to to to, to do uh, the one thing but not the other. I, I'm not gonna draw any conclusions uh, here and now, <laughs> but what is made clear from uh, this this series of thought experiments is that for humans there is a lot more to acting morally than simply weighing up the situation from a logical perspective. Like, uh, mm. that's just simply not how, how people operate. They don't, like, uh, assess the situation and do, like, a pros and cons list. There is, like, mm. a, a lot of uh, emotional and uh, instinctive, you could even call it, uh, stuff happening. There's there's a, just a whole sea of like human emotions roiling under uh, this this uh, choice that is being made. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think 
that for me, this is another reason why Sukasa seems like such an inhuman creep. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is... We see this especially, I think, in like uh, episode, uh, this the second one of the three, which is which is episode eight. Yes. I think we see that especially in that episode. Oh, um, what, what, is, what, what happens in eight again? And episode nine. Episode eight is the one with the uh, with the with the fire in in the town. Oh yes, 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 yeah. Uh, Sukasa is is really on a roll with uh, his his uh, version of ethics, and uh, it's uh, it's it's apparent in these episodes, and uh, and also in uh, episode episode four where Lirol has been kidnapped. Mm, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, like so, Sukasa. Um, from what we see, he develops a relationship with Lirol that becomes. Uh, rather intimate very quickly they like mm. uh, bond almost immediately and uh you know they get very close um mm. but when faced with uh sacrificing her for the good of the village um he just appears to make up his mind uh, uh, immediately like uh, to answer mm. some sort of uh foregone conclusion it's like yeah. um it's like yeah, <laughs> for me, I'm like envisioning him like just being being in a, a philosophy class and being like, "Ooh, pick me! I know the answer to this one." Oh, it is just the trolley problem. I know the answer. Kill the one person. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he has like uh, no like real moral compunctions about it. He's like, uh, he just r- regards it as like a, this uh, this uh, a logical assessment of the facts, and like his feelings don't come into it. It seems like at at any point, uh, and that just makes him just feel extremely off. Yeah, I think we mentioned it in the last episode. Like, just he just he doesn't seem like a trustworthy individual. Not because he's necessarily like lying or doing dishonest things but because there's something really weird about him you know how like people get like bad vibes when they're in the same room as a psychopath bad vibes like, the, yeah. like e- evolutionary instinct or whatever yeah. <laughs> For, like that really uh, he really sets that off in me he just seems like a bad person no sukasa's got fucked vibes he's got the worst vibes but, uh, <laughs> yeah. very low vibrations mm. But like uh, back to that one scene where uh, the, the village is like deciding to to rescue Lirul, you know, uh, the the moment mm. that everyone points out what a jerk uh, Sukasa is being, he like uh, he like does a, a one hundred and eighty degree turn. He mobilizes the full strength of the of the teens to like forcibly rewrite the course of history um, in a, a way that to me felt like strangely vindictive you know mm. uh he's sort of like uh uh no i'm 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 a genius uh my my answer was correct you're all just a, a bunch of idiots and uh now you're gonna have to live with me as your king for for the rest of your uh, <laughs> history yes um, in exchange which... for me uh doing the different thing that i wanted to do i will rule you <laughs> and change the, uh, the path of your history yeah Exactly. Exactly. It's he seems a lot like well a, a psychopath mm. <laughs> who who whose pride has been wounded and uh, 
thus sort of chooses to lash out in a grander, more elaborate way as a revenge. Like, um, mm. if, if for example, a, um, a serial killer is uh, almost caught by the cops, or like if uh, a, a serial killer's victim decides to put up some resistance, they'll feel like um, their, uh, their, their, their pride and their, like, uh, and their, how they pride themselves in being able to manipulate things and, like, uh, uh, um, uh, change things into their, into their favor is sort of wounded and that causes them to act more recklessly and to take bigger risks and to, uh, uh, just, uh, be a worse, um, version of themselves that, like, um, uh, does does even more awful things. Uh, mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that's a subject for another episode, I suppose. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was the, the, the trolley problem, uh, and and so I I leave you, uh, Vicky, and uh, the audience uh, with the question: Do you think Sukasa would push the fat man on the tracks? Of course he would. <laughs> Yeah, I think he I think he definitely <laughs> would. <laughs> yeah. Like no hesitation. Um, Calmly and logically he would push them. <laughs> yeah, he's like um it's he's the the one meme where all of the, the maths is like moving across the screen and he's like Ah yes, push <laughs> yeah. the, push the fat man, of course. <laughs> In, in a way, he actually, he sort of does this with his dad, doesn't he? Like, uh... Oh, yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah. Some locked yeah. up, or hanged, or whatever, execute. Yeah. So, uh, don't, don't hang out uh, near any train tracks uh, if, if you're with Tsukasa, is, is my advice. <laughs> yep. Now we're going to get into what we've all been waiting for, the episode summary of episode seven to nine. It's uh, truly Mayo time. Yeah, Mayo time is <laughs> it is Mayo time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Episode 7. It's called It Seems Shinobu Has a Shinobi's Intuition. <laughs> Shinobu and Elk are in an old-timey tavern, drinking delicious wine and chowing down on delicious anime food, courtesy of the place's landlady, Emirata. And they're surrounded by like uh, other villagers from wherever they are. Yeah, Emirata's back, guys. <laughs> it's, a, it's another Emirata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. That that character in Devil Was a Part Timer was called Emirata, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. These guys are legit. Just uh, getting getting Liddy. Just uh, uh, drinking. Uh, just straight up drinking wine. These teens shouldn't be drinking wine. Yeah, like big giant mugs of it, um, yeah. wine mugs, and a little girl yeah. offers them like cheese and olive on a stick, stuff like that. <laughs> cheese and olive on a stick, just uh, excellent beer snacking. Um, I, I had a look at um, the the drinking age in in Japan. Did you know that the drinking age over there is twenty? Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah so she shouldn't be drinking. She's a teen. She, yeah, but well, she is also a utilitarian, and uh, there's oh, no no drinking laws in this world, so uh, why not maximize happiness, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
Shinobu can't help but comment on the beautiful clean streets and hospitality of the people in this Kokonoku village, which Emirada explains is all thanks to Oslo El Gustav, who is the guy who is established as the kind of like big yeah. villain in the last episode. Yeah, they, they thank uh, Oslo El Gustav and some dude named Lindworm. <laughs> Lindworm. <laughs> Like that that dude is evil. I don't know if y'all noticed, but like people called Lindworm. It's <laughs> <Don't trust them. laughs> a good point. I mean, I don't even know also, who that guy is. Yeah, no, we haven't really been introduced to him yet. Also, Kokonoko Village is such a like a low efforts like fantasy village. Name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I feel like this didn't even try. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasted and exhausted, Shinobu flops down on her bed for a nap with El Kinto. Emirada's young daughter, Melinda, ominously warns the two of them to leave the village as soon as they can, but is called away by her mother before she can give any juicy deeds. Mm. Uh, Elk is also very wasted as well, and slurring his words a lot. Yeah, um, uh... I thought I thought this bit was sort of cool, and they like uh, bring in uh, the horror vibes. Uh, mm, yeah, but but as the show goes on, it makes less and less sense uh, <laughs> yeah. because uh, I w- w- we'll get to it, I suppose. But yeah. like the 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 camera sort of like lingers on uh, the mother's like uh, face, and all you can see is her sinister smile. And I'm like, ooh, what's what could be uh, what kind of uh, twist could be awaiting us? Of course, mm. the twist is. Super fucking predictable. It's like the the fucking uh, cannibal cannibal village trope, you know. Yeah, like, it's really they're stupid. cannibals. It's dumb. <laughs> and the explanation oh, for them being cannibals is really stupid too. It's okay. so stupid. <laughs> it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, as Elk laments that these well-off villages might not be so into the whole seven light faith religion trickery thing. Shinobu plants a big old fat smooch on his lips. Uh, don't read too much into it though, she's just trying to sober him up. With <laughs> <laughs> a big kiss. This show presents every kiss that's been in this show has been like kind of like unhealthy in a way. It like or like not not really consented to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, n- no one no one is, like, actually legit, like, kissed each other because they want to kiss mm. each other. Like, Lirul mm. is, like, baby-birding food into Tsukasa's <laughs> mouth, and uh, Shinobu is, like, sobering up elk. But, like, uh, mm. yeah, n- no, one, no one likes each other so much that they want to kiss each other, which is... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I mean, couldn't she just pour a bucket of water over his head? I, I like how Elk sort of uh, in this moment acknowledges that all D7 Light Faith has to offer is like uh, comfort and, and commodities and uh, not mm. any of the other things that a religion might fulfill, like uh, yeah. your spiritual needs or something like that. It's just uh, right, yeah. empty. Yeah, I mean, they can offer mayonnaise, I suppose. Maybe the villagers don't have that. Oh yeah, good point. Oh, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> I can I can fill this this hole in my in my soul with uh, mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah, it worked in Findorf. <laughs> sure did. Shinobu explains to Elk that 
A ninja would never get drunk off 10 gallons of wine, and the elk is a mere idiot child for not realising that. She elaborates that there is something odd about this village, that the clearly starving, malnourished, and jaundiced villagers constantly fed the duo without eating themselves. Yeah, and there is plenty of food to go around. Uh, they were sat at a table with like a, just a whole shank of... I don't know, venison or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the table was covered in food, but yeah. Yeah, not not for the villagers, though. <laughs> so, nope. Also, this, also, this implies that, like, Shinobu went through, like, some ninja drink training or something. Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, did they just, like, force feed her booze until she's got a tolerance? That, I, I don't know how else she would train for that, right? Mm. He's, uh, that can't be good like wh- when did she start the training how, how old is yeah, she again exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> bad yeah. bad bad don't think about it big old question mark there shinobu invites elk down to the cellar and we now find ourselves where the previous episode left off i think it was the previous episode the truth behind the village yeah what a cop out <laughs> She swings open the door to reveal corpses of drunk, weary travellers, butchered for their meat and money. Don't worry, though, our heroes didn't eat any bear people or whatever, just regular meat. (laughs) (laughs) They make it clear, they they make a point of uh, making sure that the viewers know that the heroes didn't eat any people. That's important to remember. Yeah, it's... um... Yeah, which uh, you know brings up uh, some questions because in in this moment uh, they uh, imply subtly that perhaps the villagers are cannibalizing people, but they don't mm. outright say it just yet. And mm. I'm I'm here just sort of scratching my head, like, but they've got food, like, yeah, right, why? they had a table covered in food. <laughs> yeah. It's like exclusive. Is this food exclusively for the fattening up of like um, eventual victims? That's like, that's ridiculous. Here's an idea: instead of giving all of your food to travelers and eating them, eat your food. <laughs> eat your fucking food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's yeah, something it's... twisted about these people, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the age old trope. Like you, you'll see it in, in in zombie movies a lot and shit. Like uh, you know, people have turned to turned to cannibalism, um, but uh, it, it it feels like whoever was writing this sort of only half understood the the idea. Just just thought, mm-hmm. let's let's just throw in throw in this trope for good measures and yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile. In the village square, some imperial soldiers are harassing the locals, forcing them to line up, chant their gratitude in unison, and smile for their overlords. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all saying stuff like, thank you, uh, king, for a lovely day, we're having so much fun, we're so happy to be alive, they're saying stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hated this shit. This um, is so stupid. This, to me, felt like um sort of a a baby level understanding of like a big scary communism right mm. uh yeah. did you get this like uh there was like yeah. some strong uh north korea vibes going on here 
that's the sense that I got. Like uh, the, the the streets are all beautified, and uh, the people like uh, line up to do like a, a little song and dance in praise of uh, the emperor or whatever. It feels mm. like um, let me let me create this uh, uh, ridiculous uh, straw man that um, is uh, just uh, not not fought through at all and like uh, has a. Uh, no no relationship to the to the real world whatsoever but yeah. let's give it some north korea vibes yeah like in just a moment we'll like see what uh shinobu has to say about that and she says some nonsense about it mm. um, <laughs> uh, satisfied that the commoners are sufficiently humiliated the head honcho guard lets them go home however he notices that Emirada's, uh, Emirada's daughter, Melinda, has a bit of dirt on her sleeve and he calls her out for it. Yep. Yeah, a little bit of dirt on her sleeve, little girl. Uh, I don't think I mentioned the scary looking lady knight, uh, but there is a scary looking lady knight there uh, who seems to be like even more in charge than the other guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she reminds these people that standards of cleanliness are important to the king and that the girl must be punished for her disgusting sleeve via horrible flogging this little girl yes uh, yes this is this is what i mean when i say we need more female generals <laughs> girl boss general <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this, this was awful mm-hmm. uh yeah and the, the mother is forced to watch uh and they tell the mother to smile uh, while she watches it's it's fucking twisted uh like mm. all of a sudden like I'm, I'm watching this episode or about uh seven or eight minutes in and suddenly they're whipping a child a, yeah. a cute little anime girl they're whipping her it's uh mm. it's it's suddenly like fucking 12 years as slave roots like fucking this child is being whipped by a soldier it's yeah it's uh, ghoulish disturbing like who the fuck thought this was a good idea like uh, they're, they're driving home uh, a point about the, uh, the the morality of like this this empire um you could have like chosen like a, not a child to whip like mm, yeah I'll get into. I'll be getting into this a bit more, uh, uh, but I just wanted to to jump ahead just a little bit, mm. right? Uh, so this uh, this guard captain, the the, the female guard captain, uh, her name is uh, Jean LeBlanc, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we find out later that she is actually in deep cover. With a mm-hmm. um, and uh, a re- rebel organization that has infiltrated like uh, Gustav's army. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, what the fuck? Like, how long has she yeah. been in deep cover? And like, how long has she been whipping child, uh, whipping children for? Like, yeah, just like she. It she makes my head like, spin. I understand that she wants to uh, keep up appearances and stuff, but the mother says, uh, Emirata, she's like, whip me instead, it's my fault as a parent. She could have accepted that and, like, whipped the mother instead. That would have been slightly kinder if she had to whip someone. (laughs) She's like, no, the child's the one that must be whipped. 
No, it's it's bonkers. Shocking stuff. Elk and Shinobu are looking on at this scene in confusion. And Shinobu explains to Elk that people with too much power do inexplicable things that normal people can't understand. That's her explanation of it. <laughs> people yeah. with too much power just do stuff. There's no way we can understand it. There's no yeah. root cause to any of this. No, no, there's uh, no no reason why the, the people in power have to, the power that they have in the first place. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people with power can, can be good and do good things, actually, like uh, my homeboy, Sukasa, who is uh, yeah. blameless and, and beautiful and an angel. Yeah, they literally describe his, him as an angel in episode nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is some some shit analysis, you know. They, they did not teach yeah. you. Um, uh, they did not teach you fucking uh, uh, politics uh, at Shinobi school um, in between. <laughs> Obviously, <or whatever>. yeah. <laughs> or maybe she forgot because she was wasted the whole fucking time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Elk wants to help. Uh, he wants to help the little girl, but Shinobu reminds him. These people wanted to murder them not too long ago. She does, however, yeah. have a plan. Yeah, yeah, and this, 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 uh, well, this, this entire scene is is fucking sickening. But this just uh, brought it up a notch in, in my estimation. Um, mm. I was, I was gonna do an additional like. Um, uh, otaku glossary about a uh, game theory but i'm gonna be saving that for uh, another <laughs> episode <laughs> but this is like some some real game theory shit like shinobu is like no hold on uh step back for a second um we'll help them once i have a way to advance my own position exactly <laughs> yeah like, like instead of acting out of compassion or or altruism or like preventing a fucking child from being whipped she's like no there is a logical solution to this one that will advance our position so chill for yeah. a second and she's also too fucking late because the girl's already being whipped yeah yeah a she's bunch of times. Uh, <laughs> this this is this is uh, shinobu's thing apparently i i i didn't like shinobu to start with i absolutely hate her now I mm -hmm. hate her smugness. She is neither <laughs> cute nor heroic. I hate her nin-nin bullshit. Uh, yeah. Fuck you, Shinobu. Yep, and she never does any ninja stuff either. She's like always holding kunai knives and shuriken, but she never actually uses them. You never see her it's use the, them. I want to see some cool ninja shit. <laughs> it's a fucking fake. Uh, yeah. You, ma'am, are no Naruto. Exactly. What's your way of ninja? Letting little girls get whipped uh, until you've got a yeah. plan that makes your life better. Stupid. Fucking disgraceful. Uh, so yeah, her, her plan consists of exchanging herself for Melinda in order to get into the heart of the enemy. She kind of comes out in front of the, the bad guys and she's like, I could kill all of you, uh, but I won't if you uh, capture me and uh, let that girl go. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this means that in the next scene, Shinobu is strung up half naked by her hands in typical anime fashion, as we have seen done by, like, uh, done to the rule and to uh, Emmy in Devil is a Part Timer. Yeah. 
yeah. She's so just in our, her underwear. Yeah. <laughs> our, our reward for sitting through a, a scene of a child being whipped is uh, some more fan service. Uh, it's... Yeah. Fucking hell, guys. What the fuck yes. is wrong with y'all? Yeah, she's in a dungeon, like, chained up, and uh, the show is still trying to sexualize her. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, she reckons that she should be able to escape her chains, uh, but is still deliberating on the most efficient method of information gathering when the Lady Knight from before enters the dungeon, kicking out the guard to be alone with Shinobu. Back at the yeah. village... Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, you have something to say uh, about uh, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, uh, I, I was just gonna make a comment about how, like, the, uh, what's her name, LeBlanc, like, shoes off the, the guard that is, like, mm. uh, overseeing Shinobu, and he's like, this mm-hmm. is a girls-only torture sesh, get out yeah, of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does say that. She's like, I won't torture a poor defenseless girl in front of you, man, get out. Girl boss. Yeah. It's a, a girl boss energy right here. It's gaslight mm-hmm. and gatekeep girl boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so b- back at that village, uh, the cannibal village, Elk is sulking, saltily, as Emirata thanks him for saving Melinda. She begs his forgiveness, but he is having none of it. Emirata claims that uh, if they don't murder and butcher travellers, they won't survive. She says this, if we don't do that, we'll we'll die, or whatever. Uh, I don't quite see her logic, but what do I know? Yeah, no, we, and luckily we don't have to spend very much time with these uh, with the village and these villagers to like figure out the fucking uh, how how that works out because it like once you start asking the, the questions like like who who the fuck were they killing exactly were they were they merchants were they citizens in the region was it was this just going unnoticed under gustav's rule or is like being clean and tidy such a high priority for 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 them that they just like never mind uh, the fact that there are random people disappearing and like uh, uh like what the fuck it's it, yeah it's they, shoddy world got, building, really, food. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they just do. Eat have the food. <laughs> who, who are these people that are like keeping their cupboards like full of venison and uh, olives and 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 cheeses? Uh, but they're like, uh, no, I'm I'm not in the mood for a cheese right now. I'll have some of the <laughs> the, the human actually. Like, uh, put one of, put one of those on the grill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Where does that food even come from? Like, She kind of gives an explanation here, Emirada. She says, The village used to make its money from wheat. They used to grow wheat in the fields. But Gustav has wrecked everything with what is called his beautification decree. Uh, Mm. So the villagers were forced to spend all of their money on making stuff pretty, cleaning the streets and such. And they couldn't work in the fields anymore because if they got muddy... Uh, then the the guards and stuff would be like, hey, you're dirty, um, whip them, I suppose. Uh, uh, yeah. So they're basically yeah. really, really poor now. Uh, <laughs> sounds to me like these guys do need the seven light faith. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that uh, anything actually happens with these characters after this. Um, I feel like we don't see them again. Uh, we don't see Elk again uh, for the rest fuck. of these these three episodes. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if anything will happen with these guys if they're just going to be left uh, to keep um, on yeah. cannibalizing. Oh my God. It's it's thank thank God we don't come back to this like and this is just yeah. drops off the face of the earth after this episode. Yeah. It's fucking ugh. in the dungeon uh, where Shinobu is. The the scary night lady seems to have freed Shinobu from her chains and is now thanking her for saving Melinda, which is kind of confusing because uh, she's the one who ordered Melinda to be whipped anyway. Uh, right. <laughs> It's like now you choose to act where the fuck was this energy when a child was being whipped what the fuck yeah it's so confusing and weird um yeah i don't get it at all <laughs> thank you for saving that girl she says but shinobi doesn't even say like you're the one who ordered her whipped Shinobi doesn't care about the girl. That's not what. That's not why she did what she did. <laughs> I didn't want to do the whipping, but <laughs> you know, it's the banality of evil. I was ordered to do it. <laughs> <laughs> she identifies. She identifies herself as Jean de Leblanc. Am I saying that right? Jean de Leblanc, uh, an imperial yeah. knight who is a member of what is called the Azure Brigade that, quote-unquote, worries for the future of the region, is how it's she describes so their ideology. Worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're worried about the future of the region, I guess. Someone uh, ought to like do something to about this <laughs> <laughs> while they're whipping a fucking child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out she wants to double agent herself and work with Shinobu to bring down Gustav. Uh, I don't know why she like. I don't know how long this group has been around or like what they've been doing up until now. They were just waiting for Shinobu to drop in their laps. Yeah, no, like nothing moves and nothing happens uh, in this world uh, unless the teens show up to like uh, um, move things forwards. Like uh, it's uh, just another example of uh, shit world building and shit writing overall. Sure is. Shit world building. That's that's the summary of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Gustav... He's currently admiring a solid gold statue of the king. He tells the guy in the room with him, who I believe is called Oscar, uh, that he wants four more of the statues. Sounds pretty expensive. Uh, Oscar informs Gustav that the people he's supposed to be ruling are so poor that they eat each other, so probably can't afford more gold (laughs) statues right now. He literally <laughs> says it to his face, like, uh, yeah. "My lords, your your, your peasants, uh, your your subjects are cannibalizing each other. I don't know if we can make more gold." So, yeah. So obviously they do know this is going on, or at least someone does. Yeah, um, they just let it happen, yeah. I suppose. Gustav I now like, knows about it too. He's he doesn't 
Gustav is a maniac who doesn't understand economics and is obsessed with uh, uh, cleanliness and making uh, graven images of his of his lord to, to place all over. So, like, it, this feels to me like, uh, uh, and the, the guy writing this is like, you know, like like North Korea, guys. Think about <laughs> it. No, really, think about oh, it. It's communism. Yeah. My my uh, my vessels are dying. My subjects are uh, cannibalizing each other. But I don't have enough money to build my golden statues. Please, someone help me budget this. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely doesn't care that uh, they're eating each other. Uh, in uh, fact, he uh, says that uh, they should all perish in glory for the gold statues. He says that uh, that's the best thing they can do. Um, and then he goes on yeah. to ask for an update on the rebellion in Findolf, started by our seven prodigies. So he changes the subject pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should all die. How's that rebellion going? Uh, <laughs> Oscar relates to him the plan that we already heard in previous episodes, that their armies are waiting for winter to end so that they can march on over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustav hates this plan. He hates it so much that he starts bashing his own head on the gold statue until it it bleeds. He just How like switches this... and starts bashing yeah. his head against the statue. How did this freak manage to run the fucking army? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Who put this guy in charge? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what they said about him in the previous episodes. Um when you know when Shinobu was in the inn or something talking to some soldier and yeah they they told her about him for the first time he's like a mage uh, who's got fire magic and such yeah he's he's magical he's powerful or something mm. I don't know. yeah won some war for them or something I don't know uh now that his face is dripping with blood from bashing his head on the statue, he declares that it's time to use his crazy magic fire spear. Uh, I don't quite know how to say this. Lag Soleil? Lag Soleil. Lag Soleil? Lag Soleil. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, nice. Lag Soleil. He's going to use that. It's magic fire spear. Uh, so back in Findolf, finally, <laughs> Lerule is boobing around boobily with a dopey smile on her face uh, when she starts to hear a strange voice warning her that the seven heroes are in peril and her eye goes one of her eyes goes blue so this is really similar to the time when Sukasa saved her from uh, that dude Uh, and a voice took over and she said some prophecy stuff to him (laughs) Uh, the voice wants her to help and guide them the seven heroes she even hears the voices of the fire spirits trapped in Gustav's spear, which he has now javelin thrown in their direction. Yeah, that's like they introduce uh, Chekhov's nuke in episodes uh, six, <laughs> and they fire the nuke in episode seven. Uh, let's go. Yeah, uh, it's about to get wild from here. Uh, Sukasa's important meeting of noble idiots, which he's now having is interrupted by an emergency broadcast from Ringo's bear thing, uh, alerting him to the spear rapidly approaching from the Gustav region. 
Ringo and the bear fire some anti-air missiles. A real feat of engineering for the resources she's got available to her, by the way. Uh, right. However, <laughs> I don't know how the fuck she's managed to build all this stuff just by herself. You'd think maybe by now she's like trained some people in some manufacturing processes or something. like. But she seems to just be doing it by herself. Yeah, that's 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 something that I, um just really fucking annoys me about uh, the the show. Actually, it's like um it's just a, a, another part of this um this uh, a false uh like uh, belief that um sort of uh, runs parallel to, to neoliberalism, where um you know all you really need is uh, one great figure to um mm. get get things moving and um yeah. and, and then history just just writes itself afterwards like and it just completely disregards like uh, our material realities like uh, the, the kind of resources that are needed to do these things the kind of people that are needed the amount of labor mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. manpower to, to to use a phrase like it's it's all erased it's all like uh, flattened uh, in favor of like um, showing showing us Ringo and uh, the, the missiles that she's built and you see this IRL as well with um i'm, I'm gonna bring him up again uh, elon musk <laughs> like <laughs> for for all intents and purposes like in the popular imagination elon musk is the guy who builds the tesla cars right like he's mm-hmm. he's the guy in the factory hammering the doors into place or <laughs> right. whatever the fuck aligning the steering wheel like that's that's what people want to believe uh when in reality it takes uh countless people countless experts and uh, countless people to manufacture and put together this shit and uh, yeah, get and into accidents while doing it, it. Yeah. Yes. Like yes. even even to conceive of it and design it. Like he's not he's not a one man army. Like this like history's great man theory uh is like so cringy to hear and to see uh conveyed yeah. in this show. No, exactly. I I get the feeling that the author of this uh, this light novel and uh, uh, who is responsible for this anime in, in a sense uh, subscribes to that entirely and uh, thinks uh, Elon Musk is is like down in the trenches, like uh, building building <laughs> Tesla cars from scratch or whatever. Yeah, probably. Uh, so. After Ringo and the bear have fired these missiles, the spear actually manages to dodge the attack. <laughs> uh, Tsukasa mansplains that it is protected by magic, actually. He, he reckons he's done <laughs> some research on this spear in the, in the previous weeks, just to kind of clarify that. Uh, yeah. And he tells Ringo to keep firing missiles because he thinks it will divert the spear away. Um, mm. However, it again dodges what should have been the final blow. The episode ends with an impact. Yeah, the the spear is using hex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, actually, um, at some point, uh, this, this is so weird. Uh, at some point in, in this sequence, uh, Bear Rabbit sort of like chimes up and he's like, "Oh no, the spear is heading towards the noble district." Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, here's an idea for y'all: do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... yeah like aren't they trying to do a people's revolution like fucking off with their heads yeah just 
fucking burned a noble district to the ground, y'all. How how's how does that sound? That's uh that's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wish a spear would blow up this whole fucking anime. <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately, it doesn't. As we'll see in the next mm-hmm. episode summary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but before we get into episode two, I, I've mm-hmm. got a, a Seiyu segment. Uh, oh hell yeah! Like. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, talk about engineering uh, wonderkins. Uh, the the love child of uh, Elon Musk and. Uh, um, What's his Ayn name? Rand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, God, what a horrible thought. Ohoshi Ringo is voiced by uh, Hidaka Arina, uh, who also voices uh, Bear Rabbits, aka hey, really? Akuma Usa. Yeah, yeah, she does uh, both voices. Yeah, so uh, Hidaka Arina is a uh, blood type A. <laughs> She became interested in the entertainment industry during kindergarten when she was watching television and wrote on a strip during uh, Tanabata. So she, she made like a, a little wish and tied it to a, a bamboo tree like in that one episode of uh, The Devil is a Part-Timer. Uh-huh. And, uh, her grandfather, who saw the strip, uh, uh, made a reply to the theater academy which uh, seems, seems like a bit of a a, 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 a leap for a kindergartner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hidaka entered the entertainment industry. So uh, this is also the voice of um, uh, Gozuki Yuniko in Excel World, which is uh, an anime based on the light novel written by the guy who wrote Sword Art Online. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's before Sword Art Online. Um, this is the voice of uh, Lime in The World God Only Knows, who is just sort of a, an, an extra uh, pop star in the background. Um, this is the voice of Tuweli Sherry in uh, Gates. Uh, so she's, uh-huh. uh, she's in that one as well. This is the voice of uh, Noir Fosturos, I think that's pronounced that way, in an isekai called Kuma 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 Bear. <laughs> which, which i i haven't seen that one but that is like just w- one of the best names for uh, for an anime uh, <laughs> yeah bear 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 <laughs> um this is the voice of michiko malandro in michiko tohachin uh which is supposed to be a really awesome anime and and that that's uh, on on my list for for ones to watch and oh, cool. um She's also the voice of uh, Kawashima Urara and Sasaki Yua in Food Wars. So, which one is Sasaki? Yeah, yeah, so she is the the voice of the two announcers that like uh, are present Ah. at each of the Food Wars. So there's like the 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 spunky energetic one that everyone loves and then there's like the 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 timid one that is like her counterpart remember mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's coming back to me now yeah yeah yeah, yeah she voices <laughs> she voices both of them cool 
Yeah. And uh, finally, she's also the voice of uh, Anne Shirley in uh, Konnichiwa and uh, Before Green Gables, um, which is a, a prequel to, uh, what's it called? A world masterpiece theater classic um, Anne of Green Gables uh, <laughs> right. from, from, from the 1970s. That's a, that's a big get. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. So I, I got just just one more for 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 the mm-hmm. for the say you segment and this one uh just the uh, really really packing it packing it with uh, some some voice actors here uh but Ichijo Aoi who is present in the next episode is voiced by Kaneko yes. Sayaka uh yeah I couldn't find much trivia on her and uh, she doesn't have uh, many credits to her uh, name uh, uh, at the moment she only has like a seven seven credits right now um she plays uh, a character called uh nakanishi aya in uh, erased and um uh. this is yeah this is one of the girls that um, um the protagonist uh, rescues uh, in the past uh, i love that show yeah yeah good fucking show mm. all right well, i'm ready for episode two Hell or yeah, episode me too. eight i mean Eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, episode eight. It seems Aoi's specs are greater than imagined. Yeah, no, I, I love it when you can simply break a character down into their specifications. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. But, like Aoi isn't a real character anyway, so. No, she's absolutely not. Nice that they tried to give her some airtime in this episode. <laughs> yeah, they, they tried. Chaos ensues as Gustav's Heaven's Flame hits Findorf. The resulting flames mock and decry the locals with Gustav's voice. A kind of face <laughs> comes out of the flames and is like yelling yeah. at them and calling them like worms and stuff. Yeah, that's that's that kind of rocks. I, I like a, a weapon <laughs> that that trolls you before in, immolating your surroundings. Yeah. Uh, the nobles watch the flames in fear through a window while Sukasa does absolutely nothing. <laughs> Akatsuki shows up, floating safely above the fleeing townsfolk, and telling them that he will not abandon them, but also doing nothing fucking zero <laughs> like yeah. just floating around just being like uh the seven light faithful blah 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 like just like sprout everything's on fire propaganda. <laughs> yeah. I'll be powerless uh, the nobles suddenly remember that there's an emergency protocol they can use due to sukasa's reforms he smugly congratulates them for remembering and reminds them that this is supposed to be their fucking job uh, <laughs> this moment really pissed me off because he's just like staring out the window, not doing anything while they're all in the background like, oh god, what do we do? What do we do? He could have told them at any moment like, there's an emergency protocol, let's use that. Instead, he lets the emergency continue for a while until they remember. It's that thing of like um, I don't know like a teacher or a parent uh, like asking you what the magic words are or something uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, like not letting you uh, use the bathroom unless you say please or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to think of a good uh, thing to compare it to, but it has yeah. that vibe. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And all the while, like Sukasa is like staring out of the window at this uh, part of the the, the city uh, burning down, and so it's like uh, looking at his reflection and being like, uh, mm. "Very, very good. I, I applaud you, you fucking imbeciles." Like, <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Uh, so the nobles start running around. Uh, talking about how they're going to be gathering blankets and hiding their secret files, which I guess is helpful to someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, is it supposed to look like the nobles are helping out? Uh, because no it idea. looks like, yeah, it looks like they're just trying to save their own skin. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, well, you get the blankets, I'll rescue our important files, and uh, I'll meet you at the shelter. It looks like they're literally yeah. saving their own They're not doing shit. They're not talking to people. Yeah. They're not t- yeah. talking to the people who would need the blankets or hand out the blankets. They're talking to each other and telling them, mm-hmm. telling each other, uh, let's save our own asses. That, that's what it looks like to me. That is what it looks like. And Tsukasa is still doing nothing. Uh, but he does, he does call up Ringo and make some request of her, which we don't get to hear. Mm. Some of the townsfolk are running through the flaming streets, confused as to why Gustav would treat them this way. That crazy guy who bashed his head on a gold statue and says communists should perish. Why would he treat us this way? Uh, One of them is almost crushed by falling burning debris, but is saved at the last minute by none other than Zest Bernard. Zesty Bernard. He's back and he's just fully drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, he really has. <laughs> he is bought into this. Uh, he he tells them, he opines to them, the world will, the world to come will be perfect and equal and amazing for everyone. And they're kind of looking at him like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Uh, <laughs> they, they literally say that. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're literally like, what the fuck are you on about? Like, yeah. like first of all, like Zest is jumping to the rescue of like these noble jerks. Like, yeah, uh, these are the nobles him. from a previous episode, right? That were like that Sukasa yeah. overheard complaining about him. Yeah, um, and yeah, he he rescues them and then lectures them about how the world is going to be different and and better and uh, people's choices are going to matter. Bruh, you had a choice. You're choosing now mm. to risk your ass for a bunch of nobles that don't give a shit about you. Where's your daughter? Mm-hmm. Are you? Where's your daughter? Yeah, where is his daughter? <laughs> I hope she's all right. I'll probably never uh, see her again in this show. Uh, unless she's getting whipped. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> As multiple explosions occur throughout the city and everything is on fucking fire, the seven heroes have literally nothing better to do than to stand around congratulating Tsukasa on his amazing civil engineering for making w- roads wider and such. Yeah, there's like literally hands in their pocket like, well, could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, they, they're literally like standing in a safe place watching the burning, being like, Tsukasa, you did such a good job on uh, all of the infrastructure and building town planning and such. So good. Congrats. The fires. Somebody help the people. I don't know. It's a uh, God awful. It's, it's teens love chaos. Yeah. Gustav actually sees them uh, standing there being bullshit and hurls fire spirits at them who start incinerating people in the streets. They're these like uh, 
people shape fire spirits and they put, put their arms around people and they just burst into flames. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, the remaining townsfolk and the seven heroes evacuate to the central park and look on bleakly as the town burns. I don't know uh, how, how many townsfolk have gotten out or like uh, what the numbers are like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> what else is there to say? Yeah. <laughs> Make it stop. It is heat. <laughs> it is here that Lyril, who knows where she's been while all this has been going on, comes jiggling up to tell Sukasa that she knows how to stop Large Soleil. They must simply destroy the lance, which is stuck in the ground. Uh, yeah, no shit. Like, uh, <laughs> anyone who's played like a JRPG should, should know this. Come on, guys. Like, Yeah, I'm sure the teens have played video games for these. Yeah. She goes on to say that she has no idea how she knows. She just does, and she's 100% right about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> thankfully, Tsukasa believes her, and the team put a plan into place. I, I hate this. And then, then, yeah. and then Tsukasa tells her to go back to the Mayo factory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leave uh, us, wench. <laughs> uh, that, no, that, he, he doesn't, but that would have been hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is another like just trope that irritates me uh, to no end. That is usually like uh, pinned on uh, female characters in anime. Because this this because the the Gundam series I'm watching right now does the same kind of thing, where like you've got like a psychic or magical girl or whatever, and like rather than her using her her powers to to do whatever the fuck they just turn into like this early warning system <laughs> like stand, <laughs> they stand there they get a, a psychic flash and they're like oh no something bad's about to happen <laughs> and that's, oh, man, that's yeah. all they're good for it's mm-hmm. I, I fucking hate it yeah i uh i'm curious to know where this thing with Lyril goes, this voice in her head that gives her magic knowledge. We'll have to see how they use it. We we get a hint towards that at the end of the next episode. It's It's dumb. It's really dumb. I didn't even know how to describe it when I was writing about it. (laughs) What words do I use to describe this? Um, So the plan the team come up with is the world's best samurai and swordmaster, Aoi, will manually guide the final missile on foot to the lance and destroy it. She's going to run alongside it, grabbing onto it. Sound uh, plan. Logical. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, so Rigo fires the missile and Aoi grabs onto it, screaming, and her legs are flailing wildly as she's running through the flaming streets. Her legs are, like, looking pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, I tried to I tried to put a screenshot of it, but uh, I don't think I really do it justice. No, not quite. She's literally like running alongside a uh, missile, uh, which mm. I, I had to look this up just for posterity, so I could just be a fucking pedant about it. But missiles travel at about two thousand miles per hour. Um, <laughs> Aoi, Aoi is uh, running at. Uh, uh, um, I, um, hypersonic speeds, I think, is what that is. Um, and is she's this running faster than the speed of sound. Like, is this something swordmasters can just do? Then I don't know. 
I don't know what this show wants us to believe about samurai and swordmasters, <laughs> but yeah, she's um, it's 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 wild. Um, uh, although it is kind of cool, a little cool. We'll, we'll I think it looks there. really silly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially since they constantly like show us close-ups of her butt while she's doing all this. Uh, yeah, she. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, they they managed to worm in some f- some fan service somehow. It's uh, they do, yeah. Uh, Along the way, she encounters a few obstacles in the form of fire spirits and pods blocked with flames. But she expertly steers around them, often by digging her bare heels into the stone <laughs> streets. Um, yeah, I don't know why she took yeah. her shoes off to do this. Uh, yeah, no. Um, is she always barefoot? I don't know. I feel like she wears shoes. I could be wrong. Literally, like, riding the rockets, um, like some sort of horny Doctor Strange love. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Close up of her boobs, like, squeezing against her rocket. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's so wild. It, when, it, when it, like, goes up in the air, you see her, yeah. Her boobs almost wrapping around it, uh, <laughs> yes. and her butt's out and such. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from the air, as Aoi approaches the lance in the ground, the fire spirit with Gustav's voice tries its best to make it difficult for her, hurling flame bombs at her and whatnot. Mm. <laughs> for her final trick, <laughs> she uses a samurai attack, Art of the Void, Dewblade Draft, to protect the missile as it is guided to the lance exploding and destroying it once and for all i thought this sequence was kind of cool mm-hmm. um i i hate this this series for uh, just planting this this one cool sequence amidst all of this uh fucking trash uh and it would have been a lot it, it would have been a lot cooler if uh, aoi was a character i i gave a shit about at all yes um yeah, but you know, just a, just a little reminder. Like, um, anime can be cool sometimes. Like, yeah, people people riding rockets. That that shit rocks. Uh, I like that. So, I think it could have been even cooler if like we knew she was capable of doing these kinds of like special, like, art of void type attacks. I think we've <laughs> yeah. seen her do something like this before. Or, like, if we knew she could do cool stuff like that, you might be like, oh, what cool thing is she gonna do? Yeah, you know there might yeah. be like a sense of anticipation or tension or something in the scene instead it's just like oh yeah Bleh. it's just another <laughs> get out flat. of jail free, yeah it's just another jail um, get out of jail free card for for the teens here like uh they, they continue to to have it easy even when it mm-hmm. like uh, defies all logic uh, yep but So now that this uh, lance has exploded, Gustav's big flame spirit evaporates and all the fires around the town begin to go out. Naturally, he is furious. Oh, he's, he's furious and he has his arms cut off by... Uh, yeah, what was that about? <laughs> There's like yeah. blood coming from his arms now. He's had his arms cut off. Yeah. Well, like uh, how he slices the, the, the big flame version's arms off. So like his, his arms ah. are also cut off and... Oh, is that how it works? I see. <laughs> I was wondering about that because I really like hadn't noticed that she did that or like didn't make the connection. You just cut to the next scene. It's like, wait a minute, this is all yeah. gone. It's just blood coming out. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. 
Lyril tells Tsukasa that all the flame spirits have now been freed from their curse and are very grateful. <laughs> the screenshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine their voices. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank yeah. ladies. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Tsukasa thanks Lerule for her service. <laughs> he explains to her that townspeople needed to die in order for their revolution to work, so it's all fine. Or whatever. I don't quite know what he's trying to say here. He's, oh he, he, he imagines... He says to her, I bet you're thinking, if we hadn't gone to war, all these people wouldn't have died. But you're wrong. <laughs> and here's why. And then he says some nonsense about how, like, revolutions will always have a historical determinist bullshit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, just uh, some some complete ahistorical nonsense. Just being like, mm. well, if, if we didn't show up to do it, someone else would have. Like... Fuck off, you fucking worm. You've like yeah. militarized this town with like an array of like anti air missiles. You've like a uh, uh, fucking ad- advanced uh, society technologically by 500 years for the heck of it, uh, apparently. You've like uh, uh, yeah. made an enemy out of like all of these other forces. This, this exactly, is Exactly, yeah. He's this antagonized is... the worst bad guys in the world. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. This, this is uh, neither righteous or or noble. This is just a, a game to this little prick. Sure is. Um, yeah, what a prick. So Lyril tells him that she's now full of magical knowledge, thanks to the spirit she heard earlier, <laughs> and that she wants to start studying magic to help return the seven heroes back to whatever hellhole they came from. Uh, yeah. you, you've got, you, can, you can imagine why she wants to send them away at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I would. Shit, I better get studying magic. Uh, these guys are really fucking up our world. <laughs> the next day, the townspeople are worshipping Akatsuki for whatever role they think he played in the events of the fire. They're all cheering for him and thanking him. <laughs> One of them actually literally says, "That's our seven light faith." Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, <laughs> he didn't do anything. It was back allowing. to brunch, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tsukasa downloads about the previous night on the phone with Shinobu. She tells him all about the Azure Brigade, uh, and he says something about like how he wants her to keep giving him info about them and whatever. Following this uh, phone call, uh, Tsukasa and Masato chat about Lyril. They seem almost suspicious of her, like she may cause problems for them later down the line. Did you get that vibe? Yes, yes, that that was yeah. the vibe. Yeah. Misato was kind of like, well, she's she seems to have like been on our side, and Tsukasa's like, hmm, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he seems like. Well, he, he uh, apparently he thought he could keep Lirul in check by like um, putting her to work in the mayonnaise mines, or, or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, this is the point where Tsukasa chooses to like let Masato know. He's like, oh, you know, uh, apparently she was uh, possessed when I uh, last saw her. You know, like. 
Yeah, he's a bad guy. Uh, were you gonna say something? Uh, no, I was just I was just going to call Sukasa a fucking worm again. I hate that. <laughs> Fuck. He is a worm. As the two of them begin to discuss what comes next, Bernard Zest arrives, showing off the new modernized troops. Uh, it's just a bunch of guys with guns and hats. <laughs> yeah, they got like rifles and like um, fucking uh, parkas and shit. And, like mm-hmm. uh, so Zest and the homies about to get down to play some Apex Legends. <laughs> and that's where that episode ends. God damn. <laughs> what a dumb show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who are we supposed to like in this show? Like, who are we supposed to be rooting for? Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, last time, uh, Joss asked this uh, same question in episode one. <laughs> or episode two, I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I said Winona then, but like we get very little she, of Winona after this. Yeah, Where's Winona? Gone, yeah. I want Winona. Winona Chronicles. Um, uh, the uh, Winona Gaiden. The Winona side story. <laughs> you won't get it. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Uh, say you segment. Uh, Mikogami Tsukasa is voiced by uh, Kobayashi Yusuke. So, uh, Kobayashi Yusuke lived in Newbury, England between the ages of uh, 5 and 10, uh, according to his appearance in uh, Kaji Hyaku Kaji Yuki ga Yaritai Hyaku no Koto, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I, I forgot to look up what that was, but I guess it's some sort of interview <laughs> show or something. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and he's he's a bit of an up and comer. He's a bit of a a, a a rising star, actually. He's like uh his resume is uh not that long yet, but he's got like a a couple of solid roles on there, a couple of like really surprising roles actually. Uh yeah. which just um uh makes me hate Tsukasa even more and like uh well, well I'll get to it. So this is the voice of uh, Arslan in the heroic legend of Arslan. Uh, this is uh, a Senku in uh, Doctor Stone, uh, which uh, I-, I haven't seen, but like uh, I'm definitely going to propose this one as uh, a- a- an isekai that we could uh, possibly watch next. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. It seems seems interesting, and it seems like it's uh, it would be like a-, a good continuation from this show. Um, this is the voice of uh, Natsuki Subaru in ReZero, which uh, this had me fucking slamming my fist and stomping my feet <laughs> <laughs> because I love Subaru. I, 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 was, I was so surprised by this. Uh, I think Subaru is great. And he's voiced by fucking Tsukasa. <laughs> like, wow. Oh my god, fucking infuriating. Um, this is also the voice of uh, Marui Zenji in uh, Food Wars. It's uh, the Megane uh, guy. The, uh, the the most useless of the, uh, the, the Food Wars gang, if you ask me. Wait, which guy? 
Uh, the, the one with the glasses, he's like the, uh, the, the food professor. What was his name? Uh, Marui Zenji. Oh, what, he lived in the house? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember him, yeah. Yeah. Ah, wow, interesting. The food professor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the food professor. Like, uh, no real skills. Dr. Food. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> His only skill is mansplaining food stuff. <laughs> um, and he's the voice of uh, Mikami Riku in uh, Gundam Build Divers. Uh, I haven't gotten to that one yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, sort of. I'm looking forward to it less, now that I know that Sukasa's voice <laughs> is in there. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, that was Sukasa. Uh, let me see. Can I squeeze in another one? Uh, Zest Bernard is mm. voiced by uh, Mizunaka Masaki, and I, I couldn't find much trivia on them either uh, because they haven't like uh, built up a huge portfolio. Uh, but he voices uh, Diablo in uh, How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, which. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is uh, another horny isekai and um he's also the voice of uh baji keisuke in uh, tokyo revengers um, which I, I haven't seen but keeps showing up on my twitter feed and uh, people yeah. seem to really like the show episode nine it seems tsukasa has seen through everything the jig is up, guys. <laughs> he's seen, he's the veil has been lifted. Sukas <laughs> <laughs> is all seeing eye. <laughs> Gustav, raging and hemorrhaging blood, rants and raves about the poisonous bugs of Findolf, aka the people that live there. He demands that they rally the troops and march on Findolf immediately. I guess to get revenge for his spear or whatever. Gotta revenge the spear. <laughs> that was my last spear, you guys. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think we mentioned this before, but uh, in in his conversation with Shinobu on the phone, Zukasa's uh, conversation with Shinobu, she mentioned that it will take uh, Gustav a while to build up the fire spirits for his spear again, so he won't be able to use it for a while. So he's kind of yeah. like already blown his big big gun. He's blown his load, his uh, yeah. fiery load. <laughs> yeah, prematurely <laughs> blown his load. Doctor, what does it mean when my load is fiery? What, what is, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just uh, just a quick observation here uh, mm-hmm. about uh, Gustav because, like, I mm-hmm. I have fought about Gustav like uh, zero times in the last. Uh, uh, two weeks, uh, not even while I was right. watching this show, because he is so fucking boring. He's like, yeah, he's no a boring villain, draw. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's not even he's not even gross enough to like earn a visceral reaction. You know, mm. it's just a uh, uh, super generic and like uh, just one trait of being kind of psycho and like uh, just absolutely. No, no draw or like a, a conviction behind his. Um, he his loves actions. the king. <laughs> yeah, who, who we like know zero about, right? Yeah, we, we don't even know, know the. Do we know the king's name? He just calls him uh, his imperial majesty. Do we know his name? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's Lindworm, isn't it? Oh, is that the king? I think so. Ah, I sure. see. Lindworm. Lindworm? <laughs> <laughs> Shinobu is chilling with the Azure Brigade as this news comes in, and Jan decides that now is the perfect time to strike. Yeah, it is, uh, like, no one's noticed that they were, like, down a, a lady general. Um, yeah, they're all just hanging out <laughs> in a room together, and Shinobu's, like, not even trying to hide. She's just hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. Troops march through the freezing mountains, while the Marquise, Lord Arclyde, complains about Gustav's leadership skills. They decide to rest at a checkpoint but it has already been taken by Bernard Zest and the modernized army, who are armed to the teeth with guns. The Zesty Boys. The Zesty Boys. They, they shoot <laughs> at the, uh, the army with their guns. Uh, and I, I guess, like, what defense do they really have? They're just a bunch of guys on horses. Pew pew, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pew pew. Uh, the approaching troops begin to retreat, but Zest and his boys follow them. However, this isn't Arclyde's first rodeo, and he seems to have some battle planning skills. He lures his pursuers into an open field packed with bulletproof horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, uh, horses yeah. are extra bulletproof. And it's this guy, this guy is a chump. Um, I, I, I don't like Arclyde and his boys. Um, mm. It, I, I love how they frame this guy as like some sort of wise leader and like he's, he's yeah. a strategist. He's like the fucking romance of the free kingdoms. The the one guy, one guy in the army that that red Sun Tzu. Um, but <laughs> but he's somehow not smart enough to think like one more step ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Well, he's not as smart as Tsukasa, who has the benefit of like several hundred years of uh, history, historical war, uh, to inform his strategic planning. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's downloaded a PDF of the uh, the anarchist cookbook. And <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, throw these at the horses and they'll blow up. This is uh, yeah. Yeah, as we will see, that is that is pretty much what happened. When I when I say bulletproof horses, I don't mean they're like actually bullet. I mean they're they're horses that have this. I can't remember what the material is. They have an armor on them, which seems to repel bullets. Uh, yeah, they're yeah, and, and so they're fully ride. armored. Yeah, they're fully armored. Yeah, I feel like bullets um, would still probably fuck these guys up, but that's what I thought too. I I feel like they say what the material is that it's made of and it sounded weird to me mm. Mm, i don't, I don't remember that sure. obviously this turns out to have all been part of Tsukasa's brilliant plan his throw grenades at them plan uh so <laughs> as as the the bulletproof horses seem unperturbed by the bullets being fired by zest's zest's boys uh all the boys throw grenades at them and the horses explode Zest smiles serenely as the men and horses explode <laughs> and lie dying. <laughs> Zest, you fucking pawn. This guy is, he's fully drank the Kool-Aid. You were totally right when you said that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like an on, on an all Kool-Aid diet. He's got like fucking, 
Kool-Aid in an IV bag, like hooked up to his veins right now. No, no one's asking themselves how the Kool-Aid is made. Like, I I don't, I do not trust Sukasa's Kool-Aid. No, I wouldn't drink that (laughs) shit if you paid me. (laughs) Gustav, whose arms have been replaced with flames now. He's got like fire, fire arms. Fire arms? Fiery arms. Uh, attempts to inspire his troops with a speech about burning rebels. It's, I guess it's supposed to be inspiring. Um, <laughs> crush, crush the bugs. Crush, the, yeah. crush all of the bugs. Um, you know, the, the people like you, um, your, your, your um, brothers, cousins, uncles, uh, sisters. Uh, yeah, they need to die real quick. Let's, let's make that They should happen. all burn. <laughs> Like my arms. <laughs> um, this is when Jan and Shinobu decide to rouse the Azure Brigade, who all seem to be hiding amongst the like regular uh, troops. I guess if that's what yeah. it looked like. Yeah, this is this is the dumbest thing. This is this looks so fucking stupid. To me. <laughs> There's a lot so, of them. <laughs> So, um, uh, uh, Gustav is like addressing this this entire courtyard, this big ass courtyard, like uh, yeah. uh it's like uh, formations of troops, just like uh, just just stacked like from from front to back, and um, like he's he's doing his little speech. All of a sudden, Jean shows up. She's like, um, yeah, you can come out now, and and all of a sudden, like half of the dudes in this in this courtyard like they were like just uh start tying blue fucking kerchiefs around their hands and like <laughs> raising raising where did the, where the fuck did y'all hide those banners <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah do y'all do y'all take these banners out like with every training exercise just to just to be sure like just in case this is the time to like raise this um uh, yeah uh, stupid stupid there was just the, it really felt like there was a lot of them too like if there's this many people who are uh, opposed to the regime and could have risen up like this at any time because they obviously don't in this particular area they yes. don't have the reinforcements of Findle they're just deciding to rise up now why yeah like couldn't they have done this yes. at any time and stopped whipping children and like forcing <laughs> commoners to eat each other can they have done this at any time previously? Like, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to know. I'd like to fucking know. Like, was, <laughs> was, I, I imagine they were just having too much of a good time whipping children. Yeah, that's until, what it looks like. Until, until fucking, uh, Shinobu shows up and, like, uh, the, um, just ex- exists, I guess, just with no apparent opinion about child whipping. Yeah, none that she shares anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Let's 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 get in bed with these guys. Let's uh, let's find out what they're, what they're all about. Let's get get in bed with the child whippers, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ringo, she's like uh, back at her base. I guess you could call it a base, whatever it is that she hangs out in. Findle. She takes it upon herself to fire a missile. At the castle in which Arclyde and Buchwald are hiding out in. This was kind of w- weird. I felt this was a bit strange. Um, the bear... It just gets it stranger. Bear, the bear rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> the bear rabbit is like, look, they're, they're hanging out in this castle. So she just fires a fucking missile at it. And it explodes one of the... Uh, pa- is it a parapet? What those are called? Like a, a bit of the castle. Explodes yeah. one of them. 
and then she sends a few dozen drones to terrorize the air <laughs> with the uh, bear rabbit's voice. Uh, they're like flying around, being like, "You should surrender." Uh, we, <laughs> we hope you will make the right decision. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's literally like surrender or die. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. Just flying around on a fucking uh, quadcopter and like uh, with a yeah. with a with a screen attached to it, and there's this uh, uh, adorable, well, I mean, like gen- generic mascot, just like yelling uh, at you to 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 surrender, lay down your arms, yeah. and like um, <laughs> and uh, submit to the seven light faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something very weird about this. It's like bend and uh, knees. Is, is it, some bend and knees. Yeah, is, is this a tactic which... Like, I don't... I, I assume this is what... So in the previous episode, Tsukasa spoke to uh, Ringo on the phone and said, like, I've got one more request to make of you. I wonder if this was it, maybe? Uh, I have one more request. It's a new stochastic <laughs> terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> Like, is this a tactic which is supposed to 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 work in the in the real world? Like, just send in your drones screaming to surrender. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's... Uh, it's it's effective when you've got like missiles that can like, that you can launch from anywhere and like uh, mm. fucking blow up your your shit. Like, uh, Gustav's only got the, the 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 one bad boy before he has to uh, charge up his. Uh, his uh, his primal energies, uh, so to speak. Yeah, but did, didn't didn't they say in the last episode that the final missile that um, Aoi like ran alongside wasn't that their last missile, or was it? I, I guess not, because they just threw one of the parapets. But mm, I guess uh, maybe, yeah. maybe they've got infinite supply of missile. Maybe, maybe she made some more. She's a uh, very industrious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Arclyde and Buchwald now realise that they cannot win against against these tactics. I suppose. Yeah, no, this is it's terrifying. You've got the fucking bear rabbit yelling at you, like just just give up. So, with Gustav fully surrounded by the Azure Brigade, Jan and Shinobu demand that he also surrender, appealing to his sense of reason. <laughs> 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 they say to him something like if you have any reason you'll just surrender of course this guy doesn't have any fucking reason he like bashed his head against a gold statue when he heard that uh they were waiting till winter to attack this small town of rebels yeah yeah, yeah. he's turned his arms into fire yeah. <laughs> appeal to his sense come of on, reason <laughs> come on man. Meet, meet me halfway here meet, meet me halfway <laughs> So obviously this doesn't work. Uh, he is a stand for the king. Uh, he doesn't care, care about anything else but his imperial majesty, as we have seen in pretty much everything mm-hmm. this character says. Uh, and he declares that he will burn them all. He attacks Shinobu and Jam with his fire magic, which for the most part they dodge fairly easily. Shinobu's counterattack is a light bomb that blinds him temporarily while Jan tries to stab him. Uh, this plan is eventually successful, and they drop a chandelier on him, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it's supposed to be this kind of, like, epic fight between this Imperial Knight and the ninja and this Fire Mage, and they try to end it by dropping a fucking chandelier on him, like a Looney Tunes shit. <laughs> yeah, no, some classy shit. It's a <laughs> Very classy. fat chandelier on your head. 
but it isn't over here. His magic blood, so it kind of leaks out from, I guess, where his body was crushed by the chandelier, and it draws magic symbols on the floor by itself, preparing for a big magical kamikaze. Yeah. Uh, so it explodes the the building that they're in, but Jan and Shinobi are able to escape in time. And Gustav's got one of the uh, philosopher's stones. <laughs> I think it's kind of obvious at this point that this is probably like not really him dying. It doesn't. It just like seems a little anticlimactic, or like. Yes, I felt the same way. Um, but I sure hope he's. He's fucking dead. I hope yeah, we're I really done don't want to guy. see any more from him. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's a boring villain, isn't he? It's boring piece of shit. Like, move on to move on to the big bed. We've got three episodes to go. Who's like, what, how? I hate. Yeah, this yeah. What's happening next after? This? Okay, well, <laughs> well, I guess we can talk about that when this episode ends. Um, back in Findolf. Tsukasa stands in his beautiful mansion while his people eat from soup kitchens, and he has the nerve to ask how the city is doing. <laughs> it's fucking scum. He's scum. Like, he's literally standing in a beautiful house surrounded by, like, uh, amazing, like, hedge sculptures and, like, a fountain, and he's looking out the window in his suit. And it's juxtaposed with images of the townsfolk getting bandaged up in like field hospitals and like yeah, getting food from soup kitchens. And he's like, "How's the city doing? They'd be doing a lot yeah. better if you redist- redistributed some of your fucking wealth." Yeah, yeah, people's people's revolution for real. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I bet you, Sukasa is like he he steps outside of his mansion to like. Uh, take pictures of uh, people waiting in line for for a soup, and then he tweets the picture and captions it. This is what communism looks like. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. That's, that's your totally society. Something he would do. Yeah, that's totally something he would do. <laughs> God, that made, it made me so mad. This this moment really infuriating. Um, yeah. Shinobi tells us Shinobi's backwards Sukasa now. I guess they're like um I couldn't quite figure it out. They're now in the place where Arclyde is from. Is that right? Uh yeah, yeah. Actually there is yeah. like um there is a like a just a very quick like uh montage that happens uh, in between like mm. um Gu- Gustav dying and like uh the seven light faith rolling in where uh we uh, handily uh, we we see Sukasa like doing uh, not Sukasa um, Akatsuki doing his fucking like um, um, fucking uh, Mayo performance with like yeah the 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 Benga bus and shit um, <laughs> yeah so he's he's literally like just uh, smashed open the city like uh, run his run his guys in there and they're they're doing a a, a big old uh, shock doctrine right now just uh. <laughs> just getting straight to indoctrinating these uh, these rubes. They sure are. They're doing a good job of it, I would assume. Since everyone that lives here is really stupid, and the seven prodigies are really smart. Uh, biggest so, yeah, brain. Shinobi- <laughs> the biggest brain. <laughs> That's what they've got. The biggest brain. My father gave me a great brain. <laughs> uh, Shin- Shinobu is uh, here with them now. He's like a uh, re- 
link link back up with her crew and uh, she tells us that the relief efforts are going well here but that they never found Gustav's body so yeah he might not be dead yeah when when they say shit like that it's like fuck this guy's gonna be back isn't it he'll definitely be back for like an episode where the same scene will happen again where they battle him or something Sukasa seems okay with this anyway uh, Marquis Arclyde has decided to pledge allegiance to the Seven Light Faith because of their technology and their uh, like war smarts. Their, their <laughs> strategic war skills are so good. Uh, they were able to repel the bulletproof horses so well that he's pledged allegiance to the, the faith. I've read Sun Tzu, but this guy must have read Sun Tzu the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> This is actually where they refer to Tsukasa as an angel of the Seven Light Faith. Buchwald concludes that only a god could have seen through their amazing plan of... Checks notes. <laughs> marching through <laughs> mountains in winter. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, these, these only a god guys. could have seen through this plan. These guys are... Um... I'm 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 gonna say these guys are probably the most cucked in the entire cast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this Arclyde guy just like yeah. has no fucking backbone. He is defeated in a a single battle and is like, I pledge allegiance to the seven light faith, they're so clever and smart and pretty and beautiful and hot. <laughs> yeah, just just uh just hand in your dick and balls, bro. Just uh just, that's uh we're <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they they like they they have to convince themselves that like only a god could have made them pay for this gross incompetence. There's just their fucking stupidity. Yeah, I mean, but the the truth is that like everyone else in the world is just just dumb as rocks. And the yeah, moment that's it, yeah. they're impeded by a teen with a high school education, they have to like scrape and beg at his feet. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No dignity. <laughs> pretty much it's pretty embarrassing for these guys so here here we go his um this this next scene is where it gets quite uncomfortable or it got quite uncomfortable for me uh, um, yeah. in the following scene our female characters so that's like shinobu aoi uh the the doctor one whose name i can't remember and uh Lyril. They're all stripped naked and treated to some highly inappropriate massages and they discuss the amazing magical oil being rubbed on them. And when I say, like, highly inappropriate massages, I really mean that. Like, if you went to a massage parlour and someone did this to you, you would press charges. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, unless you unless you paid for it. Unless, unless it was uh, yeah, unless you like opted into that stuff, I guess. But it's like not like normal. No, no. They're very sexually a, charged. There, there is there is a certain yeah message that they're sending with these uh, uh, massages, which are uh, and and the the message is horny. That's uh, that yeah, that's all. Pretty much. <laughs> just, they basically just uh, have these these massage. Uh, what do you call a massage person? Like a massage a artist? It's a masseuse, yeah. <laughs> they have the masseuses basically like rubbing their boobs and touching them inappropriately. And they're teenagers and it's a bit strange and 
unnecessary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not only is this um, highly uncomfortable, uh, but uh, it just um, pissed me off to to no end. Just uh, the kind of fucking dialogue that just passes between them. Uh, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm, I'm so, so uh, offended, or just uh, so enraged that like whoever wrote this. Um, this completely anime poison brain just fought like, oh, this is <laughs> this is what women talk about in their in their private in their private time. This is uh, it's this bizarre. is what goes down in the. I say that the next the, the next bit is where it gets even more bizarre, right? So Ringo shares her bodily insecurities about not having grotesque, comically back destroying boobs like the others. And they all tell her how cute she is. They're like, oh no, but you're so cute though. She's like, I want crazy, insane, comical anime boobs like all of you. Why don't I have them? And they're like, oh, but you're, but you're cute though. And it's, it's, to me, it's kind of, I don't think this is something that like, this isn't how women talk normally. I'm just going to put that out there. Not that I am like a, you know, like a, <laughs> not that I am like a typical example of like a woman who has loads of female friends and I know what we all talk about. I'm telling you, this is now women talk. <laughs> you know, you know, you're the, you're the cute one. You're the boo one. That's a, <laughs> we got this each isn't... other's backs. <laughs> and then. Just, just when it's gotten this weird, it gets even weirder. Shinobu offers a breast massage to Ringo, designed to make breasts bigger. She claims it's like a special technique that's passed down through her like ninja lineage that Kunoichi do. Yeah, this is the the ninja from the ninja training school that uh, teaches you how to uh, drink heavily. Uh, they they also got a, yeah. a course on on boob enlarging massages apparently. Big booby no jutsu. She offers this breast massage to Ringo, who is like she thinks about it. I think for a moment she seems like. She's thinking, oh, you know, they say I'm cute and such, so maybe I don't need, like, a breast massage to get comical anime boobs. But then she has this kind of flashback moment where she thinks about Lyril resting her head on Sukasa's lap in, like, a, a yeah. few episodes ago. And she's like, yeah. no, I won't, I won't lose to her. So she agrees to it, which is very weird. Just, you kind of think, you know, she's agreed to this, special ninja breast massage so maybe uh, she's agreed to it the scene will probably end here with shinobi saying oh yeah i'll give you that breast massage sometime but it doesn't oh, if only <laughs> the scene doesn't end <laughs> they actually show her doing it <laughs> and, uh, what the hell can you say about that uh, this um is uh straight up uh molestation is is like this is uh this is not what you do to your pals uh Shinobu this isn't a, a funny joke like uh uh groping your pals is not uh ha ha uh funny like 
it's it's disturbing like why does this scene go on for as long as it does and i i hate that all of the other like girls in this uh massage parlor just like looking on like ah that's that's just uh uh gals being gals or whatever the fuck like i wish i wish that fucking the, the 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 doctor teen um, would step yeah. the fuck up with her with her big doctor yeah. brain and say say some shit like um sorry breast and beginning massages are bullshits um, <laughs> very sorry Ringo let's uh let's let's work on our um our, our self esteem together like uh, yeah. we're, all, we're all working on ourselves like uh but Shinobu is being a dick don't listen to her <laughs> it would have been so good if. <laughs> Ringo's character had been offered this boob and beginning breast massage and was like, had actually listened to her friends who told her that she was like really cute already and been like, you know what? I'm okay. I don't think I need it. I think I'm like fine how I am. I think I'm happy with who I am and how I look. You know, that would have been like really nice and empowering. But instead she's like, no, that girl that uh Sukasa has been baby birding with she's got big boobies so i need to have them too it doesn't matter that i'm like a cool and smart and interesting person who is like basically carrying this civilization on my back via my technological capabilities uh i need big boobies yeah (laughs) it would have been so nice if they'd allowed this character to like uh be okay with who she is yeah, or like even like express her her real insecurities. You know, it's 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 not about her yeah. boobs. It's, uh, that that she's not getting through to to Sukasa in the way that uh, she wants to. And, she can do oh, better. I, I, yeah, well, yeah, well, yes. But I I suppose Lirul is there as well. But like, uh, how great would it be if like, um, she just turned over to to Lirul and she was like, hey. Uh, listen. Um, I saw him first, bitch. Um, no, <laughs> not like, not like that. But you know, uh, but that that is that is absolutely not the anime we're we're watching. That's uh, no. In the anime no, we're watching, women are in competition with one another via boob size at all times. You. Um, that's just how it is for girls. Yeah, uh, you're. You're. That's. Uh, that's how you're uh, measured. Um. Uh, so to speak, um, <laughs> and when when Ringo says I will not lose, what she means yeah. is my boobs won't be smaller than this elf woman's boobs, who, who are Im- <laughs> whose boobs are impossibly huge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless, uh, All yeah. these women must be in constant back pain. <laughs> yeah. This isn't even where the scene ends either. Like. Akatsuki oh, is fuck. there. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. Akatsuki is there with them for some reason. Um, they they do explain that it's because he's supposed to be with like Aoi at all times, uh, so she can protect him. But yeah, he's there and he's just yeah. like lying around, also getting massaged. I would assume as inappropriately as the girls are getting massaged. Yeah. I would hope equal and equally inappropriate massage for everyone. Uh, and he's just yeah lying around complaining about everything. He's complaining about the girls there giving each other boob massages. He's like, I don't want to be here looking at this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, just uh, um, just just when you uh, thought this show could not get any more tawdry, they like uh, wheel out yeah. the queer, the queer bait, and they're like, uh, well, yeah. you got a little something for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> even more in the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. the massage. Uh, Tsukasa and Masato are like in another room so while the girls are all like naked getting massaged they're like sitting having a very serious conversation about politics and such while drinking expensive tea yeah Um, civilised times of the civilised boys yeah they suck basically while they're having this conversation I can't even remember what it was about it was so inconsequential Uh, the girls and Akatsuki join them uh, they oh so they I, I guess I've written in my notes they're talking about how much luxury they're living in. <laughs> is that what it is? They're having they're, they're having a conversation about how yeah. well they're being treated there in this uh, new place. Again, oh, while yeah. their townspeople oh, yeah, right. eat from soup kitchens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, this tea is so great, and the girls are having such an awesome massage. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, obviously yeah. everyone's still recovering from the fire. Probably a lot of people like losing their like homes and livelihoods and stuff. Delicious, expensive, fancy tea and massage oil. Uh, They then joke about Akatsuki being a girl, because Akatsuki's like, come through the door wearing a dress. And they're like, oh, he's looking pretty cute. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're all like wearing like sexy togas or or whatever. And um, (laughs) yeah, I guess the. The, the the funny joke here is that um, everyone uh, wants Akatsuki to be a, a girl except uh, Akatsuki. Uh, yeah. That's uh, uh, hilarious, I guess. Um, it's a fair assessment yeah, of the situation. Yeah, this, this, this uh, show, like... Um, uh, just it trots out so many, like, uh, just, just so much reprehensible shit that uh, I feel like they're... Um, uh, so some things are not worth spending uh, too too much too many brain cells on, and like uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole absolutely. Akatsuki situation. I could, I don't know. I could I could write a fucking essay on on what the fuck is going on here, but like, mm. um, I might have to save that for for another episode because this this is a type mm-hmm. of character that that will recur. And that will return, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. that's that el- elicits uh, varying feelings in me. So uh, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, um, Akatsuki's definitely definitely a type. So now that all of our heroes are our, our prodigies are united together in this one, they discuss Lyril, and they explain that she's currently washing bandages and sheets for them. As part of her magical training or something. (laughs) Apparently she's been doing well in her magical training. Good for her. It sounds like, you know, she's doing more for the, like, suffering townsfolk than uh, these guys are. I love this shit. I I fucking love this. They're like, uh, oh, Lyril is doing really well in her magic training. Now we cut to her, like, using her magic to do laundry. Yeah! (laughs) What the hell is that about? <laughs> from from the from the fucking kitchen to the fucking laundry uh, room. <laughs> yeah, from mayo mayo making to laundry doing. 
Uh, yeah, uh, she's literally just washing sheets and hanging them up to wow. dry with uh, some guy standing next to her, like applauding her or something. So well, so well weird. done on washing those sheets. <laughs> Magically washing those sheets. Yeah, I th- I feel like they give some kind of explanation uh, for why that's magic training, but I really can't remember what it is. Mm, no, I was just I was just reeling from the the previous scene. Still, yeah. It's hard to, hard to really pay attention to anything after that shot. Just a, just a pure, uh, just a arrow of pure stupidity. Just a <laughs> shot s- straight to the fucking brain. Mm, yeah. The heroes then go on to discuss their suspicions of the Azure Brigade, and they assume the worst about them. They are very suspicious of them, and Sukasa actually announces that getting along with these peasant knights is going to be impossible. He uses the word impossible. Mm. Uh, so they've, they've allied themselves with this crew of knights who are, I can't remember exactly what they said, worried about the future of the nation uh, and have decided that we don't, they don't trust them, even though they've helped them to like secure this, uh, this land, I guess, or secure this area of the nation. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah, probably because they're just all a bunch of fucking child whippers. Just, uh... Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that does make uh, sense. I don't know. I I look forward to seeing just uh, how how ruthlessly Sukasa decides to fuck these guys over. Yeah, because this um... is how the episode ends with him saying that getting along with these guys is going to be impossible. So yeah. I've got to assume that we're going to find out why he thinks that in the next episode. We're, yeah, we're, we're left with um, but G- Gustav is gone. Like I, I don't know who's who's next on the food chain, but like the what we're left with is um, just two two evils, uh, two two shits uh, factions uh, that I mm-hmm. uh, want to see fail. So, um, well, we have uh, the the king, right? They've still got to take down the king. I'd assume if they're going to yeah this revolution, they got to chop off his I head s- or something. I suppose, yeah, that that's probably how you would end that, right? But like we've seen like zero set up for this guy. We have no clue who he is or like what he's about. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and I guess they're gonna do that in free episodes now. It's uh it's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah. You gotta assume that so there's like, a few reasons Sukasa could believe that. Uh, getting along with the Azure Brigade is impossible. I suppose one is that they are child whippers. <laughs> They've been like, oh, rather than that, I guess what what I mean when I say that is that they are they they are people who exist within this current system, and they are used to things being in this current system, and maybe they don't have the forward thinking brain that Sukasa has about how the system should change. Maybe he feels that they're not ready for his kind of radical reformation or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, maybe maybe he thinks that they're just fucking idiots and he doesn't want anything to do with them and that they were, like, good for a purpose, but, like, now that they've served their purpose, doesn't need them anymore. Yeah, just uh, um, just a, a another utility to be uh, picked up and, and discarded when uh, the use is uh, completed. 
Um, this is uh, just an, another uh, instrument for a Sukasa to, to bend to his uh, will some way or another. And mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, we're just going to uh, get to see just how... Um, just how... Uh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Just how. <laughs> we're just going to see how. <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna see it. We're, we're gonna fucking see it. Mm, yeah. Uh, we're, we're about. To, so, that, that is episodes seven to nine, and the next mm-hmm. set of episodes we watch will be the final three episodes of at least season one of this show. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess they're gonna wrap some stuff up. You'd hope they do. Imagine if it like totally flips the script in the final episode. Like a M Night Shyamalan style twist. <laughs> what, 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 did, what would the twist be? Have you seen Ender's Game or read Ender's Game? Sure, maybe, yeah. Maybe it turns out that this is all a simulation for Tsukasa to complete to uh, become prime minister or something. <laughs> to become prime minister for a third time in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were wary about changing the constitution of Japan, but uh, after after this test that you've completed, <laughs> we feel confidence about making you prime minister for the third term in a row. Yeah, could be something like that. That'd be better than whatever. I'm sure they've got planned. <laughs> that would be pretty hilarious. That would be pretty dope. Fuck, fuck, man. Uh, yeah, we, we, should, yeah. we should probably do a. We should probably do like a couple of predictions, right? Well, What's going to happen in that? Okay, um, yeah. What is what is going to happen? I, I imagine they are going to come face-to-face with the king at some point. The way it seems yeah. like it's building is they seem to be taking over or implementing their own policy uh, at a slightly higher level with each set of episodes. So it starts off with them taking on the local like, trading company. Mm. They take on the local nobility and then they take on this Gustav guy. So maybe the king is next. King's probably next, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, uh, they've got... Seems likely. Um, well, if uh, there, there is a pattern that is uh, showing up throughout uh, these these nine episodes. Every third episode gets to be uh, extra horny and extra cringe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. We're, we're gonna have to sit through at least one more fucking... Uh, unbearable scene um that that is my basically prediction. hentai uh yeah but uh i think no i i don't think this but i i hope that this ends with the teens leaving the world in in absolute ruins and then like uh laughing as they walk through a portal back to their home world or some shit uh like uh come through the other side high five each other and uh go back to their daily routines <laughs> that's what you hope <laughs> yeah that's that's what i i just um after after what we've seen so far i think that's the the only reasonable ending is it one that like uh praises these teens and like puts them up on a pedestal as like uh the saviors of this uh this other world thanks to their um their fucking neoliberal brain smarts uh that would be that would be depressing and like uh that yeah that would depress me yeah it, <laughs> i think the only thing that could save this show for me is just 
a single crumb of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Just one crumb of it. Just something to to prove that like they knew what they were doing all along. They don't sincerely believe this shit. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but I think they do. I think they do believe it. I guess we're, we're kind of moving into like, closing thoughts territory for this. Yeah, we were doing closing thoughts, basically. Yeah, we're do- <laughs> we, we are doing closing thoughts, yeah. So, like, yeah. how would you say you would... Uh, how would you summarise how you felt about these three episodes? <laughs> oh, man, I, I hated it. Uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm just about done with this with this fucking show. Like uh, it's it's been it's been a, a wild ride, and it's uh, given us a uh, uh, content to 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 uh, moan and groan about. Um, but um, it's just uh, too 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 much of too too awful. <laughs> it's it's yeah. beginning to to pile up. I'm I'm gonna be very glad to fucking uh, put this clown show to rest in the next three episodes. Mm um yeah hoping against hope that uh something defies my my expectations or like someone someone winks at me and like uh i don't know i i i uh, despise hukasa and uh mm-hmm. by ex- by extension and most of the characters because they only exist as like a fucking extension of uh Tsukasa and they have like nothing going on uh mm-hmm. besides like um exercising Sukasa's will um he's he's and, and Sukasa himself is like uh slowly becoming a, a mouthpiece for like uh the offers uh, horrible ideas uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we're seeing like all of his horrible ideas on display here and, and like it seems to me that this guy knows that none of his ideas hold water because every opposition that he's put in front of these fucking teens are like fucking uh straw men <laughs> the most mm absurd straw men and um and they're placed in the most half-baked scenarios like um i'm glad that this show abandons coconono village as soon as it appears yeah (laughs) yeah they never talk about it again after after shinobi leaves it (laughs) it's gone uh don't talk about coconono village no one we don't mention Coconono Village around here anymore. Uh, it's um, yeah. He, he comes up with these half-baked scenarios and like uh, sets up these ridiculous straw men. And the moment they're knocked over and like swept to the side, they sort of uh, shuffle off the stage and disappear uh, because uh, his ideas are fucking uh, uh, dumb and bad, and he has like no way of testing them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a this is a poorly written this show. The characters are uh two dimensional. I guess that it all sort of like uh, it goes without saying. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm harping on this shit now, but like uh, most of them, when they're not uh, just doing Sukasa's bidding, they're just uh, vehicles for for fan service. Uh, nothing mm. nothing moves and nothing happens in this world until the teens show up to poison everything they touch, like. Mm-hmm. The this, uh, the whole Azure Brigade Azure Brigade subplot is so comically whack. Like this <laughs> um, this sleeper cell organization that has been spending all of this this time uh, 
whipping children and allowing cannibalism. Yeah, what were they doing up until now? Like, were you just like fucking picking your nose, sitting on your thumbs? Like, what the fuck? Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, Shinobu appears, like, um, uh, is showing, um, like, just being being annoying and snug, smug, uh, like, showing, uh, yeah. uh, and, and nothing of like the 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 world that she's she's come from. It's just like a a sudden appearance in in their lives that like uh, shakes things up slightly, and they're like, uh, now is the time to move with uh, this <laughs> fucking fucking weirdo at our side. Um, yeah, there there is like, uh, it's it's poor world building. It's um. Yeah, it's just ridiculous when, yeah, when you think it, of it, these these factions. It doesn't make sense, does it? Because, like, for someone like Jan LeBlanc on the Azure Brigade, to have this Shinobu person show up and to then be like, well, now it's time to strike, I guess, is mm-hmm. is a massive leap of faith, isn't it, in, in the context of this world? Because, like, I suppose on paper, Findolf which is where, like, our seven prodigies are holed up, doesn't have a bigger army than, like, Gustav. Mm -hmm. And Gustav is, like, a powerful guy. So for Jan to be like, now that this one person from Findolf is here, we will uh, throw caution to the wind and uh, revolt, is really, really weird. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. Rise uh, up. Yeah, it's so one one thing I wanted to talk about was the the doctor character, the like world's greatest doctor. I, I literally like can't even game. remember her name. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> she's not played any role whatsoever in any, yeah. any part of this show. <laughs> I wonder if like she's got an episode coming up or something, like maybe in the final few episodes she'll have an episode oh. about her, because all the other characters have had one, right? possibly i'd I'd love it if like she doesn't and like the show just openly admits <laughs> she's just purely for the fanservice <laughs> but please continue uh, yeah so i i yeah that was just one observation like i suppose uh i i wonder if they're going to do anything with her character uh because i think you know out of all of the skills uh that these prodigies are bringing to this world i think Ringo's invention skills and this doctor's medical knowledge are probably the most interesting. Uh, like be, being able to cure diseases that probably most people would die from in this world. Or like yeah. being able to heal wounds that would be otherwise fatal in this world. Uh, probably gives them a major advantage in terms of like even war, I, I would assume. Mm. Um, mm. But anyway... What this show feels like to me is like some guy looking at like medieval fantasy and being like, I wish I could go to medieval fantasy with all the great knowledge that I have and make their world better. And this is a show about me doing that. Mm, but this person mm. actually doesn't know anything. <laughs> this person only has a surface level grasp of like, economics and political science uh yeah he's got the brain of a high schooler yeah he's got the brain of a high schooler doesn't really know anything and why didn't the medieval people simply do a revolution that kind of stuff 
Do you know what I mean? Like, why didn't the medieval pimp people simply have a free market? Why didn't the feudal <laughs> peasants simply do a capitalism? Or why did you not simply improve your lots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like to me. And Sukasa is like the 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 embodiment of that. Yeah. He's the person who has gone back in time with his amazing political smarts and said, "Well, we just simply do a people's revolution, which actually consists of keeping power structures the same and not organizing the economy democratically or doing anything like that. Instead, uh, him in charge <laughs> and him a good guy in charge. <laughs> Yeah, With all the systems yeah. kept the same, just him a good guy in charge. Yeah, luckily it's... he's got a an, an engineering genius who can uh, make missiles out of clay and who is obsessed with and, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily Otherwise... she wants to suck his dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, can you imagine he, if he she didn't... couldn't do shits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imagine if she thought he was a total prick. She, she wouldn't be working anywhere near as hard as she has been like she's obviously like not even sleeping given the amount of shit she's doing building these anti-air missiles and such yeah. drones yeah i am kind of fascinated to see how this show will end yeah i've i've got to know i'm i'm in it now yeah um, I've, i'm in too deep i, I need to know how mm -hmm. it ends uh just to i need closure for myself yeah that's it yeah <laughs> I want to know what the final point's going to be. I, I just have to know the conclusion because I really want to know what it's trying to say because I just don't understand at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you reckon that Tsukasa is going to come out and uh, give us the, the thesis statement of the show? Yes. Yeah, if he doesn't, gonna, I'm gonna, very disappointed. Yeah, he's going to have like his big speech moment, right? And then he's going to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give us, give us the, uh, the, 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 the synopsis, the, uh, the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine so. Do you have any more thoughts about these three episodes? Oh, thank God Rue is gone. Oh yeah, Rue's, Rue's <laughs> barely been in it. Was Rue there in the massage scene? No, no Rue she's... was some, Rue was in the background somewhere during the soup kitchen scene, or like, Really? I feel like she might have. I feel like she was in the background of like one of the scenes where we could see like the poor uh, townsfolk uh, going to soup mm. kitchens. Maybe she was serving mayonnaise to them. Maybe it wasn't a soup kitchen; it was a mayo <laughs> kitchen. Ah, uh, Akatsuki provides. Akatsuki. <laughs> uh. Ask and you shall receive. Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess I had like uh, just a couple of things to say, mostly about just the fan service being incredibly tiresome and sus. And there's gonna be there's gonna be more of it. And um, yeah, I I do not have words to express how fucking gross and disgusting the whole child whipping scene was. As just yeah. uh, beyond the pale, it just feels legit cruel and it smacks of like some sort of twisted fetishism. This is like the kind of this is uh this is the well, this is a reason why I sometimes fucking hate anime. This is this is. Mm. Yeah, extremely upsetting. Um, uh, I cursed this show. 
And uh, yeah, lastly, um, I suppose um, at some point we're going to have to start asking some questions like, you know, who is this show for? Like, uh, who is this show speaking to? Um, and I am, I'm really dreading when we have to construct that guy <laughs> in our minds and position them as like an anime viewer and an isekai viewer, you know, and like, a, yeah, um, it's a type of guy I don't want to meet. It's gonna, I'm gonna invent a guy that gives me nightmares. Um, <laughs> <that's> just... <laughs> I don't think we need to invent him. I think he exists. <laughs> uh, Oh man, I'm, I'm afraid you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm terrified to admit that he probably exists. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. He he probably goes to anime cons. Um, probably is yeah. posting on, posting right now about um, yeah, whatever anime. If I went to Comic Con and saw a guy dressed as Sukasa, I think I would die. Oh. <laughs> I would kill him. <laughs> I, would, I would I would do some I would do some debate me bro shit and then mm. uh not not debate him I would just punch him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I I would never harm um convention goers. <laughs> I'm just very riled up by this anime right now. I'm just It's provocative. Uh, yeah. Just, oh man. Can you imagine like a dude cosplaying Sukasa, like fucking wearing a suit and a shitty tie? Like, and he's got like a color he wears a, a pin, He wears a pin on his tie, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, how 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 fucked up do you have to be to want to? I hate him. I really hate him. <sighs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, if there's no more. No, no more to discuss on these episodes. I guess that's that's it for this one. Yeah, I'm I'm out of steam. I'm, I'm good. Out of steam. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let me hit you with a couple plugs first before you close. Ah, yeah, out. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, continue to to plug my uh, my Substack at the Elder Scrolls dot Substack dot com. Uh, even though I haven't updated it in uh, about two months. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been busy with stuff, uh, but I've got like a pretty sizable backlog, um, still up there. And, um, you know, if you want to read about, uh, gotcha games or like, uh, my takes on, uh, anime, uh, opening themes or, um, some interesting, um, autism spectrum disorder perspectives on, um, prominent characters in, in anime like, uh, Tobio Kageyama or, uh, Violet Evergarden. Uh, I, I got some articles about that and, uh, awesome. you know, yeah, um, I got back to it at, at some point, maybe, um, you just gotta find the time. <laughs> But, um, other than that, you can, uh, contact us, you can, uh, reach us uh, on Twitter, uh, dot com, our at is, uh, at reincarnatedpod, and you can hit us up on, uh, the email as well, uh, you can e- email, email us your, your vibes and, uh, how much you agree with us, our email is reincarnated full stop podcasters at gmail.com yeah that's all all right so that that was uh episode 12 
of Reincarnate It As Podcasters, where we discussed episodes uh, seven to nine of uh, High School Prodigies Have It Easy Even In Another World. Next time we discuss the final episodes, 10 to 12. We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life. See you in the next life. Hey,